to episode 29 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I am joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We're using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week, we're going to be looking at July 1986 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 15 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in UK music. Graham, what can we expect in this episode? In this footlong burrito of an episode, we get keen on the green with leaderboard golf, stage an intervention with the spinach-addicted Popeye, and find our party poppers are horribly damp with World Cup Carnival. We also take a one frame per second trade ride to Borington on both the dreary Southern Bell and also debate the fishy merits of the dubious Mermaid Madness. If that burrito hasn't burst your belly, we then dive into the budget bonanza of our new section, Cheapers Creepers. In this extra taco supreme, we explore the sporty goodness of Hess games, get hospitalised in New York City, develop cabin fever with booty and enjoy some arcade door unlocking with Ollie's Follies. We also avoid meteors with Moonshuttle, play isometric style Pac-Man with Scrolls of Abaddon before finally getting freight trained by the angry balls of Raging Beast. Ole! Grand. Grand, grand, grand. Sounds like we've got loads to do, and we have. There's just loads. <laughs> loads. Oh, God. Why did Zap have to have a budget range? Budget coverage? I know. <laughs> why? Why? Americana. Why? Americana gone mad. <laughs> Americaca. Yeah. Um, for some of them. Right, let's get on with the good, though. Uh, let's crack in. Our first game this month. Um... It is the cover game, although you'd be hard-pressed to <laughs> see the, uh, the the golfer. There's a golfer in those sunglasses. Can you not yeah, see them? Yeah, no, I was kind of overwhelmed by the... <laughs> the licking of the lollipop. The, the licking of the lolly, yes. It's a bit yeah, provocative, it's, it's, to say the least. It is, yes. Um, Oliver Frey here doing a bit... Um, well, it's just it's a girl licking a lollipop with some youngsters looking on in the background and a man in playing golf. Because it is golf, that is our, our first game golf well it's not called golf it's leaderboard so leaderboard it's a big one it's a gold medal it's 97 percent, and probably yeah i get why because this is probably the golf game at this point in computers there are other golf games that have come before it but they look pretty crap um we remember nick faldo's um and what that was nick like faldo's. Multiple Nick Faldos. There were also, I had a look, there were, there were previous golf games. Most of them have been top down. There were some 3D stuff on the MSX and on PCs, but they looked in, uh, they looked pretty rubbish mm. uh, from what I saw. They weren't that Not great. Good. The closest one I could see to this was golf on the NES from Nintendo. Yeah. But no, it's not this because no. there was nothing like this. There was nothing like this up to this point. Um, obviously, this is from Access, so this is Roger and Bruce Carver. They've moved on from War Games, so they've moved on from Beachhead, Beachhead 2, Raid of Moscow, and they've moved into golf. Natural so progression. It is. Well, you know, if you're, if you're not going to uh, blow up the world, 
or blow up the dictator or, or blow throw up knives half at the world <laughs> or blow up half the world you know, or throw knives at each other across a, a lagoon then what better way to spend your time than making probably one of the best golf games well the best golf game at this point in time yes let's not beat around the bush here this is a great you know if you if you don't like golf this is and i'm not a massive golfer no um in fact i've my golfing experience is very slim it, it, it involves did you say golfing the, or dolphin then no golfing oh, okay <laughs> well, so my just... dolphin exp- to be fair <laughs> my dolphin experience and my golfing experience are probably pretty much the same just <laughs> don't lot, just don't play golf with a dolphin it's <laughs> a lot of squeaking and a, i got moaned at for getting a ball and it's honestly their, their handicap is quite literally awful <laughs> <laughs> they're disadvantaged in many ways they are yes um so golf um so this is golf um but the 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 draw of this the the real revelation in this is the behind the shoulder view so this takes the camera and puts it behind the goal this is you know 3d golf this is essentially what every golf game pretty much would be following this um you know this is it kind of set your the benchmark on, right yeah yeah you see your golfer on the course so everything that follows from here on in whether it's pga whether it's tiger woods uh whether it's uh oh, the, the ones on the xbox on playstation and anything to every, everybody's golf they all follow this view this did this did it pretty much i think first and did it in such ways to put you in the actual location that you are playing in so so this is golf it's an you know there's let's let's so what, what do we say about a golf game you play a round of golf there are four courses in this there are eight i think actually because there's two different what loads isn't there there's there four is, different yes. courses on each one so there's eight different courses you can play through you might be mis- uh, forgiven for thinking that they're quite similar because they're they're based on some american concepts of water golf or so. i don't know what's the, the water uh, golf well because the, it's, the, it's ill-fated not, it's not, water golf <laughs> it's not trees and stuff is it it's it's essentially loads of green surrounded by water uh, um, just that's a golf course what you're describing there yeah yes i know but just normally there's no courses. normally there's bunkers and there's you know still trees and rough and there's none of that they just have water traps yeah. and things aren't they it's just a, yeah, a but difficult there's, there's course this, this is this is grass and water don't go in the water stay on the grass uh, you don't so get nothing in this just game generally, two, <laughs> <laughs> you don't get nothing in this game for two in a bed it's generally a good tip for golf don't yeah, get your ball in the water no matter how yeah. deep that water is, if it's a pond, you're not going to be able to play it from there. <laughs> this you're is not, not a game for getting your balls wet. No, no dipping of the balls. <laughs> no. So, so it is. Eight, 18 holes, four players, four courses. Uh, eight courses, sorry. It's a massive step up from the multiple Nick Faldos. You can play four player. Um, you can. There's some clever stuff going on here. Um, it can. I don't know if this introduced, but it's almost the three button click. It's not quite there yet. Um, nearly. But you. It's nearly there because you you hold down for power you let go um and then it comes the, the power bar drops out and then you've got your snap and is it swing or snap and hook you see snap in it it's, the, so it's your yeah, it's snap hook, and then you've got hook the hook and, and the uh, slice slice that's it hook and slice so you need to press it in the middle although you can you know if you want to bend it round something you can put a load of slice on it or hook or whatever you want you've got control over in which direction you want to hit it there's three difficulty levels which are sort of basic you know easy medium and hard easy you just have to hit the ball you just got to get the direction and the power right when you put it on medium you've got to get the snap right and when you put it on hard you've got to factor in the wind as well um and that's it 
you go and you play 18 holes of golf. You can put one to four players. The animation is uh, incredible for the time. This, you know, this really, really smooth animation on the um, on the golfer. There's you can name them. It's just a really, really good golf game. It's I, I played so much of this back in the day because, like I said, the, you know, I, I'm not a massive golf fan, but this was this felt like the perfect marriage of skill arcade enjoyment sports this is what epics were doing for you know for summer games two and things like that but the, the carvers came along and did it for golf and you know i love this i still love this i played far too much of this when i was doing it for this get for this uh, podcast um probably in detriment to every other game which i don't even notice because i didn't play them because i was playing golf um no i did play them honestly i did i did honest but this is perfect i i, I i've there's some weird you know little glitches and weirdness in the fact that your ball can land on strange islands if you're quite close to the edge and bits like that but i kind of like that forgiveness it's just really good Uh, really 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 good i I don't know what else really to say about it it's it's the perfect golf game at this point in time i don't know what what did you get from it did you enjoy it as well yeah yeah you know leaderboard um is leaderboard and as far as golf games go at this particular time it's the best one of the lot that isn't saying much because i can't think of any others apart from that nick faldo game and that wasn't on in all honesty that terrible no it wasn't that bad so this this adds the kind of the key things you expect so you expect to see the golfer hit the ball and you do the position of the camera behind the golfer is great the way it hit the ball and it flies through the air and the physics it's all kind of there and we've said many times over if you're going to make a game based on a sport make sure you do the things right for that sport so the Mm -hmm. physics and everything else have to be right and and, and in actuality they got this absolutely spot on and in fact my debate with this game was is this the perfect blend of a simulator and an arcade? Because it's kind of approachable, like the arcades are. It reminds me of the kind of later games that come out. So it sets the benchmark for those. You know, the the um, what's the what's that golf game on the um, Neo Geo with on the green? That one. Um, oh, I can't I can't remember. You played that loads, didn't you? Ah, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it just but this this game kind of set the benchmark for that kind of view, that kind of play. You choose your club, you choose the power, you hit the ball, and it's and it did all of that. And leaderboard is a it's a strange old game, and I'll tell you why. Because you can play leaderboard, and you can not like golf at all, and find a way through it. You mm-hmm. can play leaderboard and like golf, and find a way through it. And it's got kind of something for everybody. It really hits the really clever sort of. If it was a Venn diagram of golf simulation, arcade <laughs> game, and uh, I don't know what the third Venn diagram would be. Just you know, golf thing. Um, <laughs> It would, golf it, thing. Yeah, it would it would it would exist in that kind of sweet spot between all of the various diagrams. I I liked it. I have to say one thing I will say is I because obviously there's loads of leaderboard games. So there's leaderboard golf, there's leaderboard tournament, there's leaderboard world class. I think there's there's yeah, an executive they, edition. Yeah, and they are all kind of the same thing with new obviously new courses and new things and there's not a lot of changes to the actual gameplay, just new courses and things. And that's fine, that's all good. So it's it's kind of an early precursor for a game with, you know, DLC really. Mm-hmm. Um so that that's quite cool in the way it worked. So they kind of hit the formula right, the graphics look good, everything else is good. I just found on revisit and I think that's because there's so many other games like it. I found it a little bit dull to play. It's a bit boring <laughs> on your own. It was a bit just it was just a bit dull. I'm not saying it's not a bad game because it's an amazing game and it was good. I just I just found it a bit dull. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood for a game of golf. I don't know. 
And I think, had I, you know, I, I, what I did was, because initially I just, I just went straight back to it, loaded it up, and I was like, wow, it's leaderboard. And I was just kind of like hitting the ball and gradually finding my way through it and not having the greatest of experiences. And then it, and then I realised that my experience of leaderboard was really based on the people I played it with. Um, mm-hmm. On its own of a solo game, which you can do, and it's no problem you can do that, and that is in, in of itself a little bit of fun. This is a game that is much better played with people. When you're playing with a couple of people or two or three, and then this game just is astonishingly good on, on and, and it's kind of leader it's kind of leaderboards but it's kind of a, it's a leap away from most things of that type so i really like this revisit i just know that when you play leaderboard you kind of played the best golf game there is on the c64 and i don't believe there's ever a game that comes close to it in golf terms ever again so this is it you play leaderboard and even the variants are kind of the same um mm. I really enjoyed it. I just found it... I'm not saying it's boring because it's not a boring game. I just found it a bit dull on a revisit. But I think there's been so many golf games that borrow from this in that interim time that when I came to play it again, I was like, kind of, I've seen this kind of thing before and I've wanted it to be a bit quicker and obviously it's an 8-bit machine, so it isn't those things. But I think it's the perfect blend of a simulator and an arcade and that is very, very, very rare on a C64. So hats off to uh, the leaderboard team. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I think, well done, um, I think uh, uh, if Go- anyone... Golf, if it, golf clap. Yes, and if anyone was going to come to play this game, it would be Golf Lundgren because he loves a golf game. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Jesus. God. Sorry. I just, I just thought that in golf Lundgren, uh, I didn't have anywhere to go with that joke. So I just thought, no, just you, bring him in. Hey, golf, come on in. You know, so sometimes you just keep these things to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not, always, it's not always good to share. It's got 97% in tap. That's it did got 97%. That's, that's very, very highly rated. And I can, I, can see, I can see why. There's some strange ratings in this issue, but it's, it, I are. can see why. This one deserves it. It does deserve it. Is it gold medal, uh, by the way? It is the gold medal, yeah. And yeah, I think it massively sense. deserves it. it was one of the clever things it also does is if you are playing with you know multiple Nick Faldos or whoever you're playing with, then you can set each person can have a different skill level. So That's if right. someone's not very, someone's not very good, they can go on easy. If someone's been playing it a lot, they can go on pro. And so you it actually allows you to you know the, the notion of golfing handicaps because obviously you play golf with a handicap um, up to you know 28 I think is what you go up to. And so this this game you know it's only three skill levels, but does it does even sort of offer that kind of option? You know yeah. s- someone's new to it, it's like oh you got do is just aim and get the power that's it you don't have yeah. to worry about the snap and anything like that i've got to worry about the snap and and when you do play this on pro because i did play it on pro i played mm. it first of all on normal and then on pro Same. each each shot is a challenge yes each shot yeah. getting that you know picking the right power picking the right yeah. club especially when the wind's um, a consideration yeah everything and that's that's what i like about this because it's never you know it, there's always you're never as you kind of get better at it and you can yes. get your your, your your snap better and, and your judgment of power and everything but yeah. every every time is the same level of skill that's needed you've got to be you know consistently good or, yes. you know uh, you can't just let off no shot will let you do that and no. uh, also as well remember to pick the right club because the amount of times i whack the, <laughs> the whack the uh, one wood when i meant to do the pick, pick, putting uh, pitching wedge sort of thing and just saw my ball fly off into the distance yes. on the uh, green oh uh, we've oh. all been there we've all done it and do you know what <laughs> the thing is with this game i always think to myself it's a game that you gradually the more you played this game 
it is one you genuinely got better at. Like golf. Yeah, exactly. But you, you, you did, you know, you got better at using, when, when it was a pitching wedge and you were stuck in a bunker, you got better at being able to chip. You got, you got better at knowing how these, how mm. this game operated with its power, little power, um, its little power ratio and it's the way you controlled it. It was so simple in its control with one joystick and one button. Mm. You know, it didn't rely on keyboard controls or anything stupid. And because of that, it's actually a very, 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 very clever game. And I really liked it. Um, I just, I say, I think uh, mul- multiplayer, what a, what a game this is. I think that criticism will pretty much, you could probably, it's not, I'm not disparaging it. You're absolutely 100% right. I think that criticism, you could probably level against all, all sports sims, couldn't you really? To some extent. Y- you know, international football, summer games, summer games too. They're fun on their own. But they, you know, international karate, way exploding fist, they're fun on their own, but they, they shine. They shine in multiplayer. That's the thing. And this game is, you know, what my my whole enjoyment of golf is based purely on the film Caddyshack. So um, <laughs> I expect to be, there to be partying, there to be crazy antics, <laughs> there to be music on the golf course. You know, go, and all, go, all, gophers, gophers, and all those kind of things. So when I don't get those, of course, the game's going to be a little bit less interesting. I'm not playing golf with Ty Webb or that with Judge, Judge Smales or and all those things. So, um, so exactly, exactly. This isn't Russia, Danny. Is this Russia? No, it's not Russia. I would. Uh, you should go and watch Kelly Shack, by the way, just in case. You really should. Please, uh, one warning though, and I know you're going to probably do it in a minute. Don't do that Irish accent. No, no. Just, even, because even, they, because they don't in the film either. That's all I need. <laughs> don't do that. No. You did it, didn't you? So, you did it. It's, it's need. No, don't do it. But. Um, Yes, uh, it's worth 97% leaderboard. And what a bargain, really, at 995. The best golf game you could ever hope to play on the C64 and for many, many, many consoles mm. and, and computers' time. It, it lasted its time, this one. It was a good one. Yeah, it did. Gold it did. medal deserved. Pity, pity they didn't feel that that way inclined when they played International Karate and uh, where they explained <laughs> the fist, but there you go. Can't everything. <laughs> I'm just... Nate vlog, Nate vlog. They are sports at the end of the day as well. If it was, are, if it was leaderboard karate, would it have been the same? Yeah, could it? never mind that. Leaderboard karate? Golf... There is actually a, a ninja golf I, I, I played. Yeah, it's which Nolf. Is a weird game. It's called Nolf. No, it's just ninja golf. No, mm. Nolf. No. <laughs> Brother to brother to golf Lundgren, <laughs> yeah. Good old good old golf Lundgren. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about Rolf. <laughs> I must break you. <laughs> your clubs. <laughs> I must break your clubs. <laughs> oh, God, move on, move, move on the hell on. Right, that's leaderboard. We like it. It's worth a gold medal. Go, Go play, play it. Still, it now. Still good, good fun. Especially if you've got people around, and you can have people around now because obviously you know we've got freedom, freedom oh. day. And also remember that it's a lot cheaper than buying golf clubs and breaking them. Yes, yes. Right. So there you go. We like leaderboard, which is I'm gonna guess more than can be said for our next one. Which is uh, <laughs> so? So Graham is going to tell us all about ah, g- 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 Popeye. <laughs> tell us about Popeye, Graham. Do you know, it baffles me. Everything about the everything about this baffles me. Everything. Its price wrong. Its scoring zap wrong. <laughs> Everything's wrong. Everything is wrong. This is a game of Popeye, and Popeye is a cartoon of a sailor that is obsessed with a woman called olive oil that's the love of his life and eating spinach from a tin that's pretty much the tldr of popeye i am not a fan of 
anything to do with Popeye, really. It was, I'm not even sure where it fits into the cartoon. Can It was a cartoon series that became actually more popular at the time when it was out than things like Bugs Bunny and, and Mickey Mouse. So how that happened, I don't know. People must just have been less fickle. Anyway, this is a game based on Popeye. Popeye is a sailor who is, in this game... You've got to wander around the um, environment and collect the hearts and deliver them to the love of your life, olive oil, to keep her love meter topped up. Along the way, you are prevented from collecting the hearts and other things by your arch enemy, which is a character called Bluto, who is kind of a big burly bearded guy, and also witches, UFOs and birds and other things. No, just like that's what happens. And some of the hearts that you collect are behind locked doors, so you've got to find the right keys, and you kind of get the idea. It's a little bit of an arcade adventure. So you've got to wander around a environment, for want of a better description, and you have to collect the love hearts, the keys, and do those keys. It's kind of flick screen. The sprites in the game are kind of huge. So it's got big, um, I think the high-res sort of multi-part sprites, for want of a better description. They're certainly not the uh, medium-res kind of blockiness. They are quite well-defined and well-drawn. Um, but... The controls are kind of flicky, so it's kind of flickery. The pace is really slow. You can actually move behind things and in front of things, and that's apparently a good thing. I find it kind of frustrating because it meant I just, it was doubly difficult to control anything in this game. <laughs> um, I was convinced that my character Popeye was having a stroke throughout the entire period of this game because he was flickering his eye and twitching, and I was following the kind of, you know, the, the face rules, whatever it's called, you know, that sort of those rules about someone having a stroke. Is it fast or something? Fast, or sorry, yeah, so it's face, uh, it doesn't matter. He was kind of twitching, and, and and they've made this game try to be like a Popeye. Now, back in 1983, there was an arcade Popeye. There and was. That, and that is a kind of multi, one-screen, multi-screen, multi, single-player platform game. There's loads of games like that around that time. It's an old arcade game. So this isn't that. This is kind of trying a new thing. This is trying a bit of an arcade adventure with it. And they've tried to throw in some interesting things like the big sprites and things like that. The problem is it's kind of ploddy and slow and flickery and unplayable and not any fun. Um, and if you don't like Popeye, doubly un... It's like two two times the amount of unfun. So you're just kind of controlling a, a stroke, potential stroke victim sailor around a, an environment collecting hearts seemingly for no reason. You could go behind the scenery, which is fine, but it doesn't... Controlling him actually was quite difficult because it's so slow. And I just found myself really hating it. The more I played it, the more I hated it. I didn't... I wasn't really... a big fan of Popeye anyway but this just made it like really like it really focused my hatred in like a way that a laser beams focused through a mag magnifying glass you know so at this point you know, my hatred was like a laser beam on ants like when I was setting them on fire I hated it I couldn't control it properly. It was kind of ploddy. It wasn't very interesting. The things I collected made no sense. There were no redeeming qualities. It, it, the best I could say is it looked like a version of Popeye, albeit that he was kind of flicky and adding a, having a, some kind of seizure. And I just thought, you know what? I, I've played the 1983 arcade conversion, and it's better than this. So this is uh, 1986's Popeye attempt. There's another one, believe it or not, that comes after this. This oh, is, is there? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, this was 7.95 for a 78% in Zap version of Popeye, and I thought it was absolute crap. So I just thought, you know what, Popeye can just if if. And the thing is, when you die in this game, of course the spinach flies in and you eat the spinach and now what the novelty of that wears off after two seconds is a crazy is a sailor with a spinach addiction he needs help not 
know, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's got some kind of fetish with it. It's just, it's awful, really. It's just, you know, if you've, no, just no more of this. I mean, you can't tell me you like this at any, oh, any point. Oh, God, no. No, this is awful. No. Um, the only, I mean, I put large, impressive character sprites belie a woeful flick screen collect them up. Uh, a game with the slowdown when more than one character is on screen. Uh, it's easy to get in a loop of death as it takes so long after being knocked down for the spinach to revive you that Pluto yeah. will have walked across the screen and back again until knock you down again and repeat until you've run out of spinach. When his feet stick um, up in the air. Yeah, it's awful. Also has the awful mechanic of constantly depleting your health. Yeah. Um, that seems to always going down. It's random as all hell and slow and stodgy. Awful game. Awful. I had no idea why this got 78%. I can only imagine they were, you know, bedazzled by the big large sprites. They loved, they were, I, but they loved it. They thought this was a genuinely like, like, this is such a great Popeye game. It's about it's time there was another good Popeye game. Like, are you... Are you all smoking the same from the same bowl? What well, are you uh, on? If, if, if I remember rightly, um, the original Popeye um, arcade game, um, the one that come earlier, was actually, I think, I, I'm going to check this sort of thing, but um, I do believe that it was the inspiration for the original Mario Brothers as yeah, well. It, it, is, it does look, in what I saw, in terms so, of graphics, very similar, and the Popeye yeah. sprite is very similar, and that kind of yeah. gameplay, which is yeah. better for this kind of thing. It is, because this is just, there are... I, I, I couldn't get my head around this because there's some clever ideas, you know, and, you know, like you said, going in and out of the screen, back and, and going up and down and climbing the ropes. And, yeah, yeah, but, the, it's, but it's just, it's just, it's no fun to play. None. Nope, it's nope. slow, dull, boring. Just, yeah, I, I would have preferred if the sprites were smaller so it moved quicker so I could, you know, then engage with the game. But, and I, that, that whole death loop that I, I found myself in, um, not once, not twice, but multiple times, no matter which way I went as well, because that, because the, that bird would just appear and knock you over and, uh it's just awful. Just awful a, game. It was a, I put it was an unplayable plodathon. And I have to say, I don't think that. Even in, in 1986, especially, Popeye had any leverage with, with, with folk because at best it was a kind of an extra five minute thing that you'd, ITV might throw in when they had a bit of a down transmitter or something. Popeye was never a shed, as far as I'm aware, never something that was regularly scheduled in the UK. I don't remember sitting down and watching the Popeye five minutes or anything like that. It was just something that kind of appeared and, and it if, was always if everything set, else had broken. It was always the same. I mean, you know, Wimpy had come along and eat a burger. You what get is Wimpy? Oil. What is we it? Don't talk, I don't know. It's, it's a, I don't know. What is it? it well, it's obviously <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it man. Was, it, was, it was a man who liked burgers. Well, the whole scenario of Popeye without just you know going too far down the darkened path <laughs> no, you've, got, do you've got a burger addicted fat guy a fat guy with a beard who's got a Popeye addiction and a Popeye addicted to spinach they're all addicts this is just some kind of junkie yeah. paradise and they're, and they're all they're all stalking poor Olive and why are they all sailors because Bluto was a sailor as well what kind of ships did they sail on what the hell was know. Popeye was he, what was he Royal Navy is he married what was he what the hell was he <laughs> Well, he's American, so he's going to be uh, the American Navy. I don't know whatever the American Navy is. Well, he can diddly dee de dee off. Yeah, what he can do. this. Uh, yeah, this can. I don't know. There's probably some pun I can think of with Popeye in it, but I'm not going to do it. They're awful. Don't. Just a crap, crap yeah. game. Rubbish. Really bad. Yeah, rubbish. A really bad. Don't, it is just rubbish. don't revisit this. No. Um, wait, no. wait uh, for the next one, which is not any much better. But wait for that one anyway. Oh, I can't. I can't remember. Anyway, crap. Good. And yet still better than the next one. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
So, um, our last one for this section is World Cup Carnival. So we did look at the crap bird for this the other week. We uh, did. The, the, so, and because it was, you know, shamelessly, yeah, eba, eba. But nothing Mexican, could yeah. prepare you for the shamelessness of this game. Oh, because, bad. okay, so it's a football game. It's a, it's a football game. We'll, we'll get these out of the way first. It's a side-on view, similar to uh, international soccer. The players come running out. You, you pick, you start at the quarterfinals of the World Cup. There are a number of teams to pick from. You pick one and and then the other game, other other teams picked at random. You then get team, you know, paired up against somebody, and you play a game of football. Players come running out. You kick the ball. You play. That's it. You try and work your way through to the final. That's this. The game came with a load of extra bump and paraphernalia to uh, because you know to sort of justify this nine ninety five. Now, Zap gave this eleven percent. Um, yeah, and that that eleven percent is thoroughly thoroughly deserved because this is not an original game. This no, is not. a rebadging of art. Computing's World Cup 2 uh, from 1985. It's exactly the same game. All they did was redo some of the background graphics, yep. uh, but the sprites are the same, the way it plays is the same, um, the structure of the game is the same, everything. This was just a... a because Arctic, they got Arctic in to do the conversion, to to do to make this game. And so, obviously, running out of time, they just said, oh, we'll just rebadge re- re- that um, and put that out. Um, so you had people going out and you know buying this but they'd already probably already owned it and so there's a lot of people were returning this is my understanding but you know and it, it, it maybe it wouldn't be so bad to rebadge something it, but it's but it was crap to begin with the way that this plays football is so sub terrible that it belies belief the other players on the pitch don't move while you and the opposing team whoever is controlled by that are the only two that actually run around until you swap control to them and then they then you can move them while it's while they don't have the ball they're just static not moving at all which is awful it's a terrible terrible um, True. it's just a really the, the sprites are crap they look they look weird and it's a, I find it really hard to describe those sprites because they're, they're blocky and wobbly and they look wrong in some description they're yeah. horrible they're Inaccurate. horrible sprites um, and the way they the way they look and the way they're animated is just crap you know this was a bad football game to start with and according to Wikipedia just as a this um, this game bankrupted Arctic <laughs> because shortly after the game's release this is on Wikipedia the developer Arctic Computing they were sued by Prism Leisure Corporation for copyright infringement as they had sold the copyright of World Cup football in 1985 to keep the company afloat Prism <laughs> Quickly, Pr- Prism quickly won the lawsuit with Arctic requiring to pay Prism for all the sales of World Cup Carnival and it Ouch. bankrupted the company in the process. I've just written good. I don't take pleasure in other people's uh, no. misfortune, but no, you put no. this out, you try and shovel this onto an unsuspecting public, you know, under the badge of World Cup 86, you deserve everything you get. Crap. Absolutely. It, and I thought this, I remember, when we, talk, we spoke about this last time when we said what was coming up, and I do remember, I, th- I was sure this was the one, and it is. It was crap then, it's, it's even worse now. It's one of the worst football games I've ever played. Awful. You? you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was I mean, these games aren't my cup of tea anyway, but this is a just blocky nonsense, right? Uh, it was clearly just a rebadged version of another game. Um, it was full price for what is essentially a really crap version of other games that do it, do it better, so just play international um, ball, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, international soccer, international, international football, yeah. soccer, yeah, just play that. It just, it just felt to me just 
really cheap and poor. And it was even worse than that five-a-side one, and that's saying something. Um, it just it wasn't yeah, any fun. Yeah, it was. and there was nothing about it. I mean, I tried the various modes. So I tried the, the keepy-uppy thing, and it made no sense, really. I just kind of just didn't really do it. Then I tried say, uh, scoring penalties, which was impossible against the computer player because it was, it was impossible. I think I scored one, maybe, by fluke. The power controls for the kicks made no sense whatsoever, so I had no idea how I was controlling the power ratio. And then saving them was actually impossible. It was it could not be done. And it just made me think, what's the, so if this is how the game operates in its training mode, um, what's it going to be like in the main game? And as I suspected, it was crap. So mm-hmm. it was never going to be my cup of tea anyway. I would have been hugely annoyed if I'd have paid £9.95 for that. Uh-huh. Uh, and Zap were very okay. right to give it such a low rating. In fact, I think that even at 11%, they were generous. It's just crap, derivative rubbish, and there's better football games out there. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah, so. absolutely. Let's spend no more time on this because it doesn't deserve it. No. As far as I'm concerned, it's terrible. No, it so, can get lost. It can. It can be It can be consigned to the dumpster of history, that's what it I say. It would have been maybe slightly better if they called it World Cup Carnivore, where the players just ate each other made them fight to the death but uh, that's just you know that's a take on the game that is not necessarily the most popular view no just well, no kind of can of, i can't think of any of the words that begin with can of <laughs> <laughs> just world cup can't <laughs> just leave it at that <laughs> yeah it's probably more apt all right yeah so can't that, evolve. <laughs> oh, it's just so bad it's so just bad no more now it must no die more. it must die all <laughs> oh, right anyway yeah so there you go leaderboard Brilliant, Popeye, and World Cup Carnival, ag, in sound-based reviews. Um, (laughs) That's it for this section. We're going to come back in a bit where we will be talking about music uh, in July 86. So please, stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you'll find dirt cheap books and audiobooks via Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and well, everywhere. In Dave's audiobook, Back in Time for a Donut, Tara fights against her sister, Australia's Prime Minister, to combat climate change, just like that little gnome in Time Tunnel carrying a baguette. Tara goes back in time to fix the past and get her lips around the donut of her dreams. Mmm, donut. Back in Time for a Donut, out now. Audiobook voiced by Aussie star Lucy Dwyer. Visit DavidHearnWriter.com to find out more. Right, welcome back. So that was your first lot of games. So let's now talk about music in July 1986. All right, so what have we got? Let's go through our number one singles first of all. In at number one uh, for three weeks was Papa Don't Preach from Madonna. Uh, yes, from the True Blue album. It was indeed from the True Blue album. I do like Papa Don't Preach. I think we've spoken about this previously. Yes, we, we have. mentioned it, it's I think, not when, my when, thing it, when it came it in. It wasn't, it's got a couple of good tracks on the album. That is La Bonita's off the album, but uh, we'll think, I think we talk about the album later, actually, but... I think we will, yeah. So we'll we'll come back to that there. Um, when it was finally replaced at the end of the month for uh, one week, it could have gone more into the next month. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't looked. Uh, by The Lady in Red by oh, Christa Berg. Goodness me. I'm taking it from your comment here, which it should have been The Lady in Bread. <laughs> it should have been The Lady in Bread. <laughs> that you're not a fan of this song, Graham. Krusty Berger, The Lady in Bread. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made much more sense. It would have, yes. Um, this is voted the 10th most annoying song of all time. So yeah. um, that's in a poll. You can trust dot music in 2000. That's a, that is a poll you can trust. This is just, do you remember, do you remember hearing this song? Who bought it? Who? 
Who bought it? Same people who bought uh, Power of Love. Apparently, he was inspired by the way he saw his, his soon-to-be wife. This is the first time he ever saw his wife, but in before she was his wife. And this is, so he remembered her. This is what she looked like. She walked into a room. This whole song is about that moment when he first saw her. And he tries to capture that. It's all well and good. But you don't have to bore the rest of us with that nonsense. <laughs> Damn, one of the lyrics, never seen you looking like you did tonight. Uh, never seen you shine so bright. And if that's the first time you ever saw her, she was never as good as that night. I mean, what's that saying? Exactly. Um, you are amazing as a lyric. Just don't trust a guy that doesn't pay any ferryman, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> just, you don't trust him. You know, does, he, does he not pay him? No. He is, he, is, he re- is he renowned for that? Don't pay, one of his songs is don't pay the ferryman until you get to the other side. It seems a bit mean, really. You've, you can't commit to that kind of journey without paying your fee. You don't get on a train and not pay before, Andy. And when you get to the ending, I'm not paying you because for whatever reason, I didn't like this journey. Well, you pay it when you pay when you get there. It's like, you know, you actually, it's like you don't, you don't pay for a meal up front. I suppose you do in McDonald's, but you don't in a restaurant. No, no, you don't. Well, you do pay up front for your meal in McDonald's. No, you do. That's what I mean. In McDonald's, you pay up front, but if you go to a restaurant, you pay at the end. Yeah, well, that's true. Yes. Um, but this is different. This is, uh, we're talking about... Um, <laughs> Tra- travel lake, lake, and, yeah. lake, lake travel and um, <laughs> they've, got, they've got they've got to hire someone to punt that ferry across and, and everything you know you know and ladies in bread and i am not 100 percent sure really <laughs> if it had been the lady in bread and it was just a, it was a song about a woman that just turned up to an event you know like a bread bikini see if it was i would, north, I would it, admire it, that it would be gravy and bread exactly the gravy and bread <laughs> perfect <laughs> She's dancing with me brown to brown. (laughs) (laughs) And brown to brown is not a statement or a sentence you ever want to hear in any industry ever. (laughs) No one likes brown to brown. No one. So Krista Berger, Krusty Berger, take your song and go and do one. That's what Dollar were called before they were advised to change it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, we're brown to brown. (laughs) Why? That's what ACDC called their album. And they were like, you know what? We need to change this because no one likes it. Brown to brown. (laughs) They tried all sorts of colours and that's that's not the one they settled on. There was Metallica's album, the brown album. (laughs) But yes, the lady in bread, the lady is dread. The lady is fled. <laughs> the lady's dread would be good. <laughs> well, she's turned up in like a judge dread outfit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am the law. <laughs> the lady is dead. Just a corpse that he's trying to dance with. It's just fallen to bits. It's very unpleasant. It's unpleasant. Well, it's, from the album. it's from the album Into the Light. Exactly. Which has got a lot of his most famous that we know of. Because I don't, I couldn't name you another Christa Berg song if, you, if my life depended on it. Yes, well, it does. So your life does depend on it right now. You probably best learn at least two. You know, one of them. Don't pay the ferryman. That's one of his songs. Don't I'd pay. Already, the, I'd already. Don't pay I'd already the forgotten it. That sounds suspiciously like "Don't Fear the Reaper." Uh, well, I would like to see. A, I'd like to hear. Actually, I wouldn't like to hear a Christopher version of "Don't Fear the Reaper." I just don't want him to. I want him to fear the Reaper. So. No, it's all anyway. We've said far too much about Krusty Burger. Is Krusty Burger? Yeah. <laughs> Krusty Burger. Yeah. Oh dear, right, there you go. So he, he, he popped in at the end of the month. Uh, we only had one album that was number one all month, and it was Madonna's True Blue. Yeah, with um, all the classic hits. Open your heart. Open your heart to me. Yes, that one. Live to Let tell. Let Benita. 
Live to tell to me. <laughs> <laughs> that is La Bonita. That is La Bonita to me. To me. <laughs> That is La Bonita. Papa, don't preach to me. That is La Bonita was a huge track, wasn't it? Do you remember? It was, like, it was yes. And uh, the Spanish something. Do, do, be, do, 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 do. That one. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> a paraphrase, but yeah, that, that's the one. That is, that is La Bonita. <laughs> 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 La Isla Bonita <laughs> Actually and I just want to drop this in um, because uh, they, there is a really good C64 SID version of La Isla Bonita which is done by a guy called um, it's, the, it's the Great Flash TGF the Great Flash who was a member of the demo group S Expressive which I was a member and he released that track and it is a really good track. You can get it on HMV SIDS, HMSV is it, or whatever it is, the, the SIDS archive. HSVC, yeah, yeah. So you could download it. Not, not because I'm just, no, I'm not, a fra- you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a friend of his and he's a cool guy, but do download it and never listen to that because it's a really good version for the SID. And I think it's the only version that I know of. So there you go. So there's a little claim to, not even a claim to fame, I don't even know what you call that, but um, <laughs> Ma- Michael uh, Ware, that's Mike, Michael Ware is his real name, but that's the TGF. A, fa- a factoid. It's a factoid. It's a great version of that. And he tried to tell me that many, many times when I was going, yeah, well, I'll put it in a demo. Yeah, I'll put it in a demo. I never did. So I'm, I apologise now, um, Mr. Flash, <laughs> for that blatant stupidity because it was such a good song. I should have put it in a demo and I never did. You should, you you should have, yeah. I was, too, I was yeah. too busy listening to all the other stupid stuff I listened to. So I apologise. There you go. Oh, was 30 years <laughs> in the making, that. <laughs> open your heart uh, to, to me. me. <laughs> <laughs> Next True week on Open Your Baby. <laughs> do, do, do. Right, that's all good. <laughs> Next week on Open Your Heart, Graham tells us of other things he wishes he'd done 30 years ago. The rest of the time, John, you were right. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know, ironically, strangely enough, I was telling uh, my partner the other the, that, that story the other night because that was the very first time I came around your house and I sat there for an hour. I'll tell you, listeners, I sat there for an hour while Graham and the uh, the other character from S-Express, Joe, um, argued for about an hour and a half. This Remember, the first time I'd been around his house... Um, he rang me up and invited me around to write some scroll text. Yep, we were that nerdy. Yep. Um, and I went around and said, yeah, okay. But then they sat there for an hour and a half and argued about the size of a raster interrupt, I think it was, on the side. <laughs> with Graham saying it was this big and jo- and Joe saying it was that big. I'm moving my fingers slightly apart. Yes. <laughs> that, hour and a half. To be fair, two things based just just as a just to you know end that loop. <laughs> two things. Firstly, uh, it is very very important how many cycles it takes up when you're doing that kind of. Go. Secondly, J- it, Joe was right. I was just being a pig-headed goon back then. I was a bit of a pighead. They were right. Um, they were right. They were right. So uh, yeah, long <laughs> working boy with the TLDR of any of that. Yes, but but Joe, if you listen to this. This is kind of a point now. I've apologised twice now. <laughs> I know. No, Flash, I'm sorry about the music. And Joe, <laughs> I am genuinely sorry that you were right about that rest of time. You were right about that saddle, though. <laughs> and Tin Man, I'm sorry you never got a heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and c- 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 courage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, move on now. You're making me feel all blue. True blue. <laughs> true blue. Open your heart to me. 
it's the, it's the it's the it's the power it's the power of that song. It compels you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be compelled anymore. <laughs> well, you are anyway. Right, releases of note. What do we have after that? Sixth uh, of July, uh, we had straight from the heart. Brian Adams was in at number sixty-four. <laughs> straight from the heart to me. <laughs> That's not how it goes at all. <laughs> I don't think it is. You put this was released in 1983 off the album. Uh, well, it was this, maybe this was a re-release. I mean, it was obviously it said new in, so I don't know. I don't know enough about Brian. I wonder if it's catalog. a C- that's why I put. Is it a CD release? Is it on the back of something else? Just because it was, it's off the al- 1983 album cuts like a knife. Maybe it was in a film. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm wondering that. I'm wondering probably that. probably was. Uh, in at number 66, two places down from that, we had Dreams from Van Halen. Um, one Such of Graham's favourites. Such a good track by Van Halen. Second single from 5150. Yes. There we go. Later using the Power Rangers TV show, is yes, it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All there right. Okay. All right. Uh, 13th of July, we had I Didn't Mean to Turn You On by Robert Palmer at number 30. It's all right, Rob, but you didn't. Um, oh, Bobby so, uh, Palmer. Bob Palmer. Bobby Palmer. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby's, <laughs> Bob palmed her. <laughs> right, Bobby Palmer. I didn't mean to turn you on. You did, though. You, you dirty Bobby what, Palmer. What, what, he did turn you on, or... He didn't or mean didn't, to. Or, or, or you did mean to. He didn't mean to. Okay. I always read that. He didn't minty. He didn't minty turn you on. So it's just some kind of power he's got with mint. It's a bit of a minty guy. Isn't minty a character in EastEnders? Yes. And this is a song dedicated to oh, him. was. Well in advance of his appearance in uh, EastEnders. Let me tell you. He could see the future, Robert Palm. Or, or Bob Palm. He was a, Bob, he was a palm reader. Bob yeah, Palm, absolutely. You Bob could, palm could, reader. You crossed his palmer. You <laughs> crossed his palmer with, with silver. Exactly. Crossed my palmer with silver. I predict your future. You, you will be an EastEnders. You will appear in a soap opera. I will write a song for you called I Didn't Minty Turn You On. <laughs> now go forth and be minty. Not that minty. <laughs> Robert, Bobby Palm reader, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd cross his palm with silver. Um, at number 71 was My Adidas from Run DMC. Yes, yes. Uh, but, what can you say? I, I'm not a big fan of this particular track by Run DMC. So, and it's clearly, you know, just because they wore Adidas, Adidas. Yeah. And it, and, and it led to the first proper endorsement deal. How odd. You, you wrote a song called My, My Adidas. <laughs> yeah, Adidas went, <laughs> okay. Are they, they're popular. <laughs> yeah not a fan um, not a fan of, I like I like Run DMC but not that track I have to say no I mean it's not my thing I've said before but I just put it in there I thought it was quite interesting uh, The Flame in at number uh, by Arcadia in at number 85 yes. and yeah Arcadia you pronounced this and I was going to say when Arcadia Duran Duran yes what a fall were. from grace strange is, is it the full Duran Duran although no right? I think it was only three of them it was Le Bon Andy and Robert Palmer. <laughs> Bobby Palmer. <laughs> well, it's actually strangely enough, the two weeks before, they'd gone to, gone to see him and he predicted that they, this single wouldn't be very, do very well. <laughs> but they didn't listen. They didn't listen to Robert they Palmer. Never do. My Palmer. They never do. <laughs> he sits there. In my head, I've got Robert Palmer now as the, uh, as the uh, character that uh, connects a series of three short stories in a hammer, <laughs> hammer horror amicus amicus type like film. it's the guy on the train it's like yeah, yeah. exactly yeah and what it's do Robert you Palmer. think about it 
Now, um, so what was the point in Arcadia exactly? Because why did they just release it under Duran Duran? What was the point? Well, because I think well they weren't Duran Duran anymore, were they? I think that I think Duran Duran had disbanded at this point. Really, I, I thought they lasted a bit longer than that. But is it so? This well, is Rod, Roger Taylor, I think, Simon, I think Simon it's, Le Bon. Simon Le bon. And... I think it's. It's Andy. It's Andy. I think it's the keyboardist. Um, and Andy Le- keyboard. It might, be, it, might, it might be Nick Rhodes. Ah, right, okay. I think it was Roger. Why and, did I say Roger Taylor? Because yeah. he's nothing to do with Duran Duran at all. Is he not? I think but, there's three Taylors. There's Simon. There's Roger. Yeah, it's Roger, Roger Taylor. Ta- is, Taylor Roger, and, is Roger Taylor part of? I think he's the drummer. Is he? I think so. There's no, three Taylors in, in uh, Duran Duran. None of them are. This, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's just move it's on. only number eighty-five. Who cares? Anyway, um, never got any higher. Anyway, and then at number ninety-nine was the Contenders with "Where's Harry," oh, just, <laughs> which <not>. was <laughs> which was a song based around um, the fight between Frank Bruno and I think it's Mike Tyson. Mike which, Tyson, yeah. Which uh, Frank Bruno lost. So, <laughs> yes. What a, what, a, what a way to celebrate that! We're going to release a single. It's of, uh, y- really of you weird. Saying your your, your favourite phrase. Where's Harry? Well, it's not even that really. There's a little bit of that, but it's mainly the the, the recording, the audio recording of the commentators, the fight, isn't it? Yeah. as he's being beaten, yeah. and knocked <laughs> unconscious. So it's really just kind of a song about a boxer being knocked out. Which is kind of weird. And, and it's very nice and it's very humble, and, you know. But I remember watching that fight. I had so many debates with people about that. There was a guy who was in, again, weirdly enough, it ties back to this, but there was a guy who was in the demo group I was in, a guy called Mark. Um, he's, uh, I forget his nomenclature, but it, Mark was his name. And he, he kept saying to me, yeah, but the thing is, with this fight, uh, Tyson's a fighter and Bruno is a boxer. I remember he kept saying that, I'm going, ah. I'm not sure what you're trying to say to me, but you know, <laughs> for me, as much as I love Frank Bruno, he's going to get his lights punched out here. And strange enough, he did. And then they made a song about it. It's kind of weird. It is it's really weird. weird. I'm glad it got only to number 99, though. It's kind of imagine that got to number one. How embarrassing. No, I imagine hearing that on top of the pops and just seeing the video. He's just Frank Bruno getting his lights. Well, you know, he might have done a live performance. In. It had just been on the stage, just air just laying there twitching. Just yeah, and then just like, and then periodically just laying down on the ground and just pretending to be unconscious for eight seconds you know, until ultimately, of course, he was. You know, his lights were punched out. It's uh, a strange thing. I've never known anything like it. It's. I mean, unless they sort of had planned it to be you know hopefully we think he's going to win and they put too much money into it and then they were like oh hang on i know it's called the contenders but it's where's aris there's only one contender and he really he really wasn't was he no no he wasn't he he literally got his eyes punched inside out (laughs) (laughs) he saw last week he did he did (laughs) he got hit that hard he He got hit that hard he could see further into the future honestly and i think that's exactly (laughs) what i was going to say robbie parman was jealous <laughs> he got he got punched into last week and could predict everything that happened. <laughs> Don't release that song. Twentieth uh, of July, some candy talking. The Jesus and Mary Chain at number twenty. I don't know a lot about uh, them. I don't know a lot no, about the Jesus and Mary were, Chain. They were skirting between sort of early indie, sort of Smiths, that kind of thing, and goth. They're in that. They're in that ballpark. This is okay. Um, I don't mind. This is one of the few uh, Mary Chain tracks I actually quite like. Some candy talking. It's all right. Uh, and number twenty-five, find the time by Five Star. Oh, as you put it, the Romford Jacksons. Yeah, that's what they were <laughs> yeah. nicknamed because they were from Romford. Yeah. And they were basically the UK version of the... They were produced like the Jacksons, so it was their... They were. The, I think it was their dad. They were a family, essentially, band. And they were 
you know, they were good in their own way, but you know, um, they they were essentially the Romford Jackson. So they were uh, at number thirty. We had "Fight for Ourselves" by Spandau Ballet. I only really know the big Spandau Ballet tracks that everyone knows. That's uh, not one this, for me. At this point, weren't they like about three years before the, you know past their sell-by date? Yeah, well, they're still going, so yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> well, now they're thirty-three me. years. It's not so much a Spandau <laughs> Ballet now. The ballet has quit. They've all they've all got bloody arthritis. <laughs> So, it's, not a two two, it's not a two two anymore. No, it's just a, exactly. It's a, it's a nine nine. It's it's not gone well for them. <laughs> it's not. And in at some number because I've got to write the number down here. It's pressed by Paul McCartney. I don't. <laughs> I don't understand what that is, and I don't want to. No. Paul, uh, Paul McCartney's th- output was never great from no. the minute he started singing about frogs. <laughs> it's somewhere between number thirty and thirty-seven. Because the number thirty-seven was "Dancing on the Ceiling" by Lionel Richie. See, that's a good oh, Lionel Richie track, though. Yeah, Lionel Rich T, as we as we like to call him. <laughs> See, that's such a crap joke, but it always makes me laugh. Yeah, I know it does. <laughs> um, so they're um, in with their small hat uh, at number 49. <laughs> it's the mission with Garden of Delight. See, now, just because I said you a picture of them in there, and remember, I didn't say that, we, I said tiny hats, and they are, but they are one size, two size. I am genuinely right. They did do that. It's a true fact. There's no, there's <laughs> no escape. Are, there's nothing. The the hats are normal hats. The, <laughs> well, their heads are too head, big. In my in my head, I had like like the the hat on a, a fez or like a um, the, the, uh, the what the guy. I think what Wimpy wears in uh, Popeye. He's yeah, got a really tiny hat. He wears a little. Po- I said they weren't like Popeye hats. They were just like he wore that kind of boater's hat. But yeah, it's just, it was, it's yeah. just too small. And the guy had like a little <laughs> captain's hat. Like a sea yeah, captain. Yeah, the bassist. And it's Craig too small. They're just, they're just want, they want tiny hats, damn it. No way around it. They couldn't afford a lot, and they put them in at the wrong, the wrong temperature in the wash the night I just before. Think, is their success measured in the size of their hat? It's like, it's like a pope. Like the pope's like the ultimate super guy, and he's got like, like the biggest hat. Is that how it works for the mission? The, the more famous they got, the bigger the hats became. Yes. You should see what happened when they, you know, got Tower of Strength came out. <laughs> the, the, the hat, Stetsons. Their hats were, their hats were voluminous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, in at number 50 was now the reason I've included this because I know this gets to number one because it's I Want to Wake Up With You by Boris Gardner I think is it's that, the, is that, that I Want to uh, Wake Up With I You I believe so yeah. yeah because it's that one it's a, I think I'm sure this gets to number one um, and then at number 78 was The Way It Is by Bruce Hornsby in The Range oh diddaloo 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 everyone's favourite piano riff diddaloo 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 that's they, just the way it do, is. I might think of the right people, but did they do the Baywatch theme? Um, I would not like to hesitate. I don't know. It could. It it could be. I don't know. That's there's a Google thing. Maybe Somebody who listens to this podcast it's just just validate that question because, <laughs> because I, don't I genuinely don't know. And if I do Google Baywatch, I'm going to go down some kind of rabbit hole that I do not want to be down. <laughs> And I'm going to end up for about three hours just looking at sort of enormous boobs and stuff, and that is, you know just somebody else do the do the legwork for me because I don't want to do that. Yeah, and I'm going to be reviewing every game because I've lost Graham. Exactly, you will be like, and he was just staring at boobage, massive, because that is all about the boobies. But yes, it could easy be, and probably is, and you know, and now I'm. I'm gonna don't I'm, do it. No, don't do I'm not, it. I won't no, do just it leave now. it. So we'll 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 come back to it. Move uh, swiftly on. Move swiftly on because the 27th of July, in it, number 75, was the glory of love by good old Peter oh, Cetera. Oh my god! Did do 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 do. Was this 
Karate Kid Part Two. I think I think it was. Yes. Yes. It is, yeah, cause um, it's, well, it's definitely not Karate Kid, but it's definitely Karate Kid Part Two. Because I remember, I am a man who will. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. Yeah. But yep, Peter Cetera, But is, who was? Who the hell was he? And what happened to him? I don't know. I have why a is feeling. It, why isn't got... his first? Why isn't his first name Et? <laughs> Peter, etc. It probably is. Yeah. I think that he was taken to Okinawa and beaten down by a vicious gang, <laughs> and that's what happened. Because that's what happens in the film, and I think that's what happened to him. So yeah. Peter, etc. You can't. <laughs> what an unfortunate is, name. <laughs> yeah, uh, Peter, etc. What and what? No, no, Peter, etc. And what? 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 What are you good at? What are you good at? But loads of Pete, loads of Peters. Yeah, he's just good at being Peter, etc. <laughs> yeah, it's just a collection of Peters, just loads of Peters. <laughs> Peter Purvis, <laughs> Peter Sissons, yeah, just the Peters. Peter, Peter Sellers. It's a it's a charity single from the Pe- Peter Setteras. <laughs> Peter etc. <laughs> yeah, Peter etc. Uh, yeah. In, in at number eighty seven was uh, we don't have to take our oh. clothes off. From Jermaine Stewart. Do you know, uh, I'm, I'm sensing a thing about the songs in this 80s period is that they're just, they're all very onomatopoeic, aren't they? They're all very, you know, well, weird. I put these in here because these become quite big hits, don't they? I mean, I'm aware yeah, it's yeah, massive. Because the next one is as well that I'll mention in it. And, and I'll mention, well, the next one in at number 88 was Cry by Godly and Cream. It is. Um, and the, those two were, you know, what I'd like to hear is that they're coming in at 87, 88, and... They climb, they climb. You just don't seem to get that. You know, no. this was a thing back then where songs would come in and get some radio airplane and people would hear it. And, and I don't know whether whether they re-released this or whether this was its first release. I'm, no sure, I'm not sure. But, Do you remember the video um, for that? Interesting. What? Which one? Cry. Cry by Godly and Cream. Yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. Where it's just it's, like it's, faces and just sort of merging into each other, weren't they? It's got Mr. Yeah, T just, in it. It's just dissolving, isn't it? It's a yeah, clever, yeah. Clever, clever, clever video. Yeah, well... You say clever. It is. It still works quite, uh, quite and, well. And, and in all fairness, it is kind of almost mirrored with the black and white video for Michael Jackson later down the line. Yeah. Although that uses kind of morphing technology, but this is pre-morphing, so it's just fading. So, but it's yeah. just you know. And but what you realise when you watch this is that there are really beautiful faces in the world that <laughs> do not belong to Godly and Cream. Those guys are ugly as ugly and cheap. <laughs> it's awful. As soon as they appear, you're like there's a beautiful woman. There's all these different people, and they appear, and you're like, ah, no. <laughs> it's God's sake no. and scream. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Godly and scream. Yeah, exactly. Ah, no. Oh, God, God's, God's sake, sake. God's sake, scream. <laughs> awful, awful. And godly and cream should be a flavour of ice cream. Sorry, but it should be. Oh, uh, Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, there should yeah. be a Ben and Jerry's godly and cream flavour. Come on. What would, it, what would it be? What would the godly be? Um, it would just be, I think, potato chip and a uh, fence panel. <laughs> You're hired. (laughs) What are the great great flavors we got? Creosote and chips. uh, We call this um, (laughs) this is Ron Seal. (laughs) Exactly. Godly and cream. It is the flavor of ice cream that never was. Can you imagine on the packaging? It it would just be their faces around the ice cream, just their ugly, ugly faces crying. But you know that thing. You know those pictures where if you look slightly from one side to the other, it kind of changes. Yes, it'd be like that. That's what the yeah lenticular, lenticular faces. Yeah, that's what it would be. And so you could you you could have them both appearing at one point if you just got the angle right. I just want to know uh, in different countries because cream is a different word in many languages. 
So um, in uh, we know it as cream, <laughs> but in Polish that's crema. So that you, you, godlick, godlick and crema. <laughs> I don't know. You, for a moment there, I thought you were going to go into the uh, storyteller. <laughs> I'm the storyteller, and my story must be told. <laughs> in England, I am crema. In Poland, I am crema. <laughs> Sometimes there are tears, sometimes there is laughter, but always a godly and cremer ever after. Yes, I agree. Yes, uh, no. So yes, it was a it was a revolutionary video, I believe. It, Crap it was. song though. You make me wanna cry. Every time I saw their ugly faces, I wanted to scream. Never mind cry. So never mind that. Because uh, at number ninety was Gold Rush by Yellow. Which one's Gold Rush? That dubida. That doobida, that one. The one that oh, goes, that, that doobida, that one. Oh, that one, that one. Yeah. <laughs> that one, fresh from yeah. their uh, appearance in the game, Schizophrenia. Yes. Um, and there are other songs on the album which are, da da be dee dee doo be doo da da ga da and yang yang. No, it's, uh, it's, I have tried to come to terms with what yellow were. <laughs> over the years <laughs> you don't need to it's no one I, I, no I have tried because there are songs in my pantheon that I really liked and they were yellow songs and I've tried to sort of re-listen to them and go you know what they were pioneering they were just rubbish shit they had a sampling machine and they did quite well with it and I just felt they were a kind of art project that kind of got well out of hand as I've made a note and I think they were. And, was, so this, and I have a friend, you have a friend, we have a friend, we have a friend who is a big <laughs> yellow fan. And I mean, he's a, he likes the band Yellow. He isn't a big yellow person that just likes bands. <laughs> he's not the Simpsons. <laughs> he's not the Simpsons. He likes Yellow a lot. And he tortured me with all of their crazy garbage throughout, yeah, the, uh, throughout this particular period. And there are some songs by them that actually are quite good. I just don't think this is one of them and just... I watched the video for it because you posted. I think you posted a link to it. I used to look it up on YouTube, and I wasn't wholly impressed. So goodbye, Yellow. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. goodbye. Oh yeah, that's your singles. So what we got for albums? Well, the sixth of July saw a, a complete change up at the top because we had True Blue. We've already mentioned straight in at number one from Madonna. Straight in at number two, we had the Seer from Big Country. I'm amazed Ooh. the Seer Big Country was straight in it. They, they, were, that they big. were a big band. Yeah, they were a big yeah, popular clearly band. Were. Yeah. I never thought they were that big. And then at number three, we had Revenge from Eurythmics, mm. um, which I thought was kind of crazy. Just the, the number one, two, three, straight in. It is strange and. What's odd about that is we've already discussed True Blue by Madonna and Big Country were obviously um, very much built around the guitarist, which, from, which was a guy from the Skids. Very mm-hmm. talented guitarist as well. I can't remember his name, but a very talented guitarist. And of course, um, when it comes to the Eurythmics, um, that's the album with Thorn in My Side. There are other singles off it, I think, maybe one. They didn't release a lot of singles off their albums, the Eurythmics. That's, that's the thing to note. So if you listen to a lot of Eurythmics tracks and you'll remember the ones that everyone remembers. So you remember Sweet Dreams I Made of This and you remember Here Comes the Rain Again and you remember Thorn in My Side. But you might be forgiven for thinking that that's all off one album or one or two albums and you they released a lot of albums, just not many singles. It's kind of crazy really with that. Really, yeah. I find it quite interesting and I do like the Eurythmics. The sad thing about that album is it's not a great album overall. It's the, one of their weakest ones. So there you go. Oh, I'll take your word for it. Um, I haven't listened to it in a very long time, probably not since back then. I think I was more of a singles fan of the Eurythmics. Yeah, well, I I was, and then <laughs> really? I, actually, I actually did a back catalogue revisit because uh, my brother was um, 
a huge Eurythmics fan. And he kind of introduced me to that Sweet Dreams Are Made of this period of the Eurythmics. You know, when they first hit the, the music scene, big style, they want 1981, 82, around that time. Huge band, you know, really striking look. You've got Annie Lennox with the kind of bright orange hair. You've got um, the guy that did all the other stuff. What's his name? You know, Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart did all the other stuff. And they had that kind of look. And there was that amazing video for Sweet Dreams. And I just, in a, I was kind of sold on that album. And I remember the album cover. I think she's holding, I think it's her with her arm out holding a heart, kind of a, a cartoon heart. I think I could be wrong, but I just remember some vague, and he had it on tape. And, I just have a fond memory of listening to that with him. And, and so I have an affinity for it. And so it, that sort of feeds into an affinity for the Eurythmics. The sad thing is that I remember most of the tracks. And if you compiled them, I'm pretty sure in my brain, I've just compiled the best of Eurythmics in my own brain. Yeah, probably. Because I think all the tracks I like are from about nine different albums. So I've got one track of this one, two off that one, three of that. So if you told me all the other tracks off the Revenge album by the Eurythmics, I'd go, wow, they're great. Is it, do they sound anything like Thorn in My Side? Because <laughs> that's yeah. the one I remember, right? But there you go. There you go. Number 10, we had Back in the High Life from Steve Winwood. Not a fan. Oh, no, I'm not either. You know, there he was in, in at number 10. He's just another one of those... Bland <laughs> M.O.R. rockers, isn't he? Yeah, I think he was the one that was famous for... People genuinely thought Steve Winwood was a black guy, when, of course, he was a white guy because of the way his voice has got that kind of tone, I think. That was just kind of a thing about it. Truth did Steve... Race, did, was, did, did he... Was he the one who did the Joker? Uh, no. No, I can never remember who did that one. You mean that some people call me the space yeah. cow? But yeah, no, that's yeah, that one. one. That's, that night, uh, that's not Steve Winwood. That's, uh, <laughs> that's Steve someone, isn't it? It is Steve somebody, but not Steve Winwood, yeah. We'll ask Bobby Palmer, he'll know. Just go- Google it before we end this Before we end this section, you'll find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and at number 70 was Endless from Heaven 17, which yeah. it probably sounded like. It's, it goes, out of the fire, endless, higher and higher, endless. Because... <laughs> 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 That's as far <laughs> as I. That's, that's the only thing I know about Heaven Seventeen is. Uh, yeah. Is that one song? So I don't, that, every other song, it sounds like that one to me. But there you go. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, Heaven Seventeen were a glam. No, they weren't. What they're they sort of new romantic band that I was new never romantic, particularly fond yeah. of. Yeah. They were. A, they were a bastard offshoot of. Oh, Human League. Human League. They were an offshoot of Human League, apparently. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, they were the founding members. Yes, they were. Yeah, I've just yeah. checked. Yes. Yeah, and and they used a C sixty four. With the MIDI interface for the song of Temptation. Did did they? They did. Yeah, famously. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Thirteenth of July, we had the final in at number two, so we had a change at number two uh, by Wham, which is a is a best of album. I pretty yeah, I thought it was going to be a best of. Yeah, it's the best of, um, and it's all a, a really early Wham tracks. If you actually yeah. get hold of that now, that's actually a very good album to get hold of because it's got all of the wham rap and all that really early stuff on it's yeah because cool. i think that they split up by this point i think they'd split up uh, by this point yes yeah, so george michael's on his own by this point so yeah because he's doing his different muller, different muller corner isn't he <laughs> yeah and the record company were quite angry about the fact that he didn't want to record everything they said so mm. this is what they put that out for i think is a bit of revenge yeah uh number seven was now the summer album uh, the old various artists. Yeah, so now it's the summer stuff, so we're into July, July so here you go. Here you go. Uh, we've had Van Halen, now we've got Eat Em and Smile by David Lee Roth at number 28. Oh, there's such an amazing amount of interesting stuff about Eat Em and Smile and the David Lee Roth band and the albums and the EPs that came out around that time. All because of a, Well, it's all because of the acrimonious split between David Lee Roth and Van Halen. So... David Lee Roth was a lead singer at Van Halen, and then they just decided he wasn't. 
and it was supposedly an amicable split. They were going in very different directions. David Lee Roth basically didn't like Van Halen, and um, Van Halen didn't like David Lee Roth. So, Eddie Van Halen, that is. So, obviously, it was doomed. And David Lee Roth then formed a band. And the band he formed was quite remarkable, to say the least. So, you've got Billy Sheehan on bass. Billy Sheehan is the guy that was later the bassist in Mr. Big. Mm -hmm. Very famous bassist. Steve Vai, for goodness sake, on guitar. And if you were going to choose a lead guitarist for your produced band, and Steve Vai walks in the door, you're just going to go, yeah, you. I'll have especially you, when you look at it, especially when you look at his left hand and his fingers yeah, are yeah, like exactly. Dr. Pretorius's yeah. in From Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> he has got six metre fingers. And then you've got Greg Bisonette on drums. Now, he's, he's actually quite a famous drummer in his own right. Different kind of drumming sort of style to the band, but is the drummer. So in this instance, it was always going to be second fiddle to the guitarist, really, which was Steve I, who was a virtuoso guitarist and a young one mm-hmm. at that and wanting it. So long and the short of it is, they produced these albums and David Lee Roth basically just wanted to outdo Van Halen with with the kind of songs that he wanted to record because Eddie Van Halen didn't like the kind of songs that David Lee Roth wanted to do. So when you when you hear these albums, and it's not just this one, there's the EP, there's, I think it's called Skyscraper, the first album, but there's, there's a number of albums, including Eat and Smile, where you really hear David Lee Roth's style of Van Halen and what he wanted it to sound like. And of course, they went down the Sammy Hagar and the kind of, you know, the different kind of route. I find that quite fascinating. And it's, I like, I like both things. And, and I think the Eatman Smile is a really great album. And if you really want to hear really virtuoso guitar playing and solos at a level which is extraordinary, then it's worth listening to this because you've got Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan on at complete form playing some of the most amazing stuff. I mean, if you listen to um, Yankee Rose and, any tracks off it, but Yankee Rose was the single that was released. It's genuinely amazing stuff. But then just listen to Skyscraper and Living in Paradise and you'll hear Steve Vai's guitar. It it stands out because it's so good. I always remember um, Vai's guitar at the beginning of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but is, is Steve Vai at the beginning of uh, Hot for Teacher? Uh, no, that's, Hot? that's Eddie Van Halen. That's the, is that Eddie Van Halen? Yeah, that's that's, it, uh, that's the, a Hot for Teacher is, 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 is a Van Halen track. Oh, is that a Van Halen one? Yeah. Because that's the one where he's like getting the guitar to speak, isn't it? It is, but that's why... They did it at the beginning of Yankee Rose because obviously... It's, oh, was it um, at the beginning there? I know. I thought I'd heard it a Steve Vai version of it. I just remember yeah. those fingers doing it. So Yeah, so at the beginning of Hot for Teacher, you've got that kind of bit where Sorry, they're getting... Sorry, I'm not, I'm not so up on my... No, 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 so. no, 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 apologise. It's just, it's, it, it, it's actually quite an interesting tit for tat and, and definitely because there was a real rivalry between the David Lee Roth band with Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan and that kind of stuff and Eddie Van Halen because Steve Vai is a virtuoso guitarist, so he could play the kind of stuff that Eddie Van Halen played. And in fact, um, I've linked it, and we'll maybe put it on the website, but I've linked it on this on the site there. There's a version on YouTube of Steve Vai and the David Lee Roth band playing Van Halen's Jump, where Steve Vai just plays the solo as if it's nothing, as if it's nothing. It's like he it, like it could do it with one hand. It's, it's genuinely quite mind-blowing, really. And it just shows you how much of an influence... Um, that David Lee Roth was on his sound. I mean, don't get me wrong, the vocals in that YouTube clip, when you do watch it, are truly awful. The vocals, <laughs> honestly, it's awful. It's terrible. It's a terrible version of Jump, except as soon as he goes, and now everybody, here's Steve Vai, and Steve Vai steps up and just plays, does what Steve Vai does, which is just, it's just something extraordinary because he was just mm. such a talented guy. I just find the whole thing interesting. For me, it's the best of three worlds, really. I like Van Halen with David Lee Roth. 
I like Van Halen with uh, Sammy Hagar, and I liked um, the David Lee Roth band, but you can't be fooled into thinking David Lee Roth was anything other than kind of a cool front guy and a front man for the band. He didn't have the strongest voice, but if you've got Steve Weiss behind you, you know you're going to do all right. What? A, <laughs> what? But what a talented, True. what a talented, and what a cool move to do that. I mean, Steve I was a not an unknown, but a relative unknown at this point. Well, look what I look what he went and did. I mean, goodness me, the guy's amazing. So I just it all fascinates me. And Eatman Smile is just a big David Lee Roth, you know, wank off really. But um, <laughs> it is. But um, just it's worth it's always worth listening to those albums because they've got great musicians on them. And if you're you're listening to the one of the greatest bassists and the greatest rock, rock and roll guitarists of all time playing together on an album you've got to take a bit of notice of that it's just astonishing mm. it really is it's no hank marvin though <laughs> i don't think steve i was ever in another rock band strangely enough after that he played solo stuff and he, he did you know guest appearances but i think that was his only one and only sort of hair metal band ever so he does you... he does he does play um on the halo 2 soundtrack he does actually yes he does Steve Vai. There you go. There you go. That's it. All right. 20th of July. Uh, Touch Me in at number 17 by Samantha Fox. Okay. Now, we, we had a bit of a... Uh, if you've listened to previous episode, we had a bit of a uh, technical snafu um, where we actually we discussed um, Samantha Fox's single. Was it Touch Me, the single? Um, I can't one remember what, which one it was uh, last month. We, we lost it, basically. It was lost to the ether of time because of a technical problem. Um, but yeah, now here's her album. So um, <laughs> Samantha Fox was a, was a, a pop star <laughs> who wore too much denim. <laughs> a lot of denim. And, and who I saw at a gig in London. Did you really? <laughs> I t- <laughs> yes, I did. I didn't know that. <laughs> you did, because I told you last time. Yeah, well, that was erased last time. I, I... Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, did she sing Touch Me as well? No, she didn't. She was in the crowd. She's very small. Oh, uh, that's right. I'm going to be saying now, yeah. Yeah, she's very tiny. Um, we decided to go to a gig in London. She was over in the crowd somewhere. Uh, and she, yeah, she's, she's, very, she's only about five foot tall. Did you say hello um, to her? Go, hi, Sam. You no, don't know me, no. but, you know. No, I'm some awkward indie kid. and you're you're sam fox no i'm not going to go talk to her um no so uh, that's in at number 17 i'm amazed it's in at number 17 i'm amazed that some some, sam fox had a pop career uh just terrible uh raising hell from run dmc in at number 56 Mm. probably on the back of uh our adidas track whatever that was Uh, and at number 66 was rage for order from Queensreich. Ugh, Queensreich. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, we spoke about this briefly with the uh, Sisterhood um, and the mission and everything last time. So we had Gift in at number 90 from the Sisterhood. And yes, I know Rain From Heaven is on this. It's, the, it's um, a great use, track, Rain From Heaven. It, it is a great, great song. It is uh, used in a film that we made <laughs> many, many, many years ago. It is. Um, it is. And I think um, in reality, there's a lot of synthesizer and drum machine in that track. Which rules out any actual playing of instruments for Sisters for, for Sisters of Mercy. Oh yeah, there? yeah. I think it's just Andrew um, Andrew Eldritch and who just Doctor Avalanche. To, yeah, it? just wanted to put out an album. Then at number ninety-seven, uh, another one of our friends' favourites, we have Underwater Sunlight from Tangerine Dream. I've never heard <laughs> it, and I never will. No, ne- I've never, never forgiven Tangerine Dream for the death of my boy. <laughs> There'll be lots of. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be very bloopy bloopy. Yeah. Is it from a film by any chance? Uh probably. Who knows? It was in at number ninety seven. Mm. Anyway. Finally, twenty seventh of July, we have uh in at number sixty eight, we have Stutter from the band James. 
I'm, wow. quite, I'm quite surprised they were going this early. I was just going to say that's, that's way earlier. Than I remember James in the nineties with it. With is it sit down? Oh, sit yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. Okay, they took a long time to stammer and stutter before they got famous. Then. <laughs> yeah. Let me just check it. It definitely is them. Uh, yeah. They. I mean, they. Uh, they were. They formed in 1982. There can't be two Jameses because that'd be James like two, wouldn't it? Imagine no, that. It's, it's definitely them. I'm just checking. We're the new it Jameses. Is. We were going to call ourselves the originals. <laughs> The new originals. <laughs> with the new originals, then with the new James. With the new Jameses, and then we're like, should we go back to the Jameses? And we're like, no. <laughs> the Jameses. <laughs> now then we were called James, etc. <laughs> das James. Lots, lots of Jameses. No, yeah. Stutter is indeed their first studio album. So there you go. Okay. Right. Wow. Okay. I'd, it's quite yeah, an eclectic I... blend of music in mean, that. I know. That type in July. Goodness me. I mean, that's crazy. You go from all the craziness of like the sisterhood through to Samantha Fox, and then you've got Queen Strike, and then James's first album. What a random selection. Because yeah, I I think James with like you said, sit sit down, and Eddie and sort of Manchester scene. So sort of about 1990, yeah. 91. I didn't know yeah. they were. Um, going early in that but there you go that's your music there it is um, that's it so no more music for this month um, so stay with us we'll be back we've got oh we've got so much coming up we've got games um, we have we've got a couple more of the normal games but then we've got our extra special section uh, which we're calling Cheapest Creepers um, so stay tuned for all that it's coming up after this break break <laughs> <laughs> to our sponsor davidhernwriter.com where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks the case of the notorious roboticist explores bias in artificial intelligence and features a robot named benson a tribute to your robot companion in mercenary do you want to buy i think you should buy find out if moros can win an unwinnable case and find love while he's at it the case of the notorious roboticist out now audiobook voiced by england's own nikki delgado visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more Dave's podcast pick is Leaderboard Golf, the best until Lynx came along. Right, welcome back. Um, we've got loads of games to do now, tons. Um, so let's crack into them because our first one uh, is Southern Bell. Now, we looked at the crap bit for this a while back. Uh, live out your dreams on the Southern Bell. You can control the steam train. Um, so Graham, was this is this your dreams? Did you live out your dreams on the Southern Bell? Tell us. <laughs> no, I didn't. I am not a uh, fan of trains per se. My experience of them is a one of a commuter. Um, so A to B kind of stuff for me. So the aim of this game is for you to complete a journey of the Southern Bell. The Southern Bell is a steam train that ran between London and Brighton. So in this game, you get to control it on that journey and all of the foibles of controlling a steam train that happen. So you got to not be, to be careful, go around the various tracks and you got to control the amount of steam and you have to control the engine. You have to control the controls and it's a, it's a simulator of a steam train. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, in of itself, that isn't a bad idea. We've had simulations of things before, whether it's aeroplanes or kayaks. So it makes sense that maybe a train might be something that might be simulated. However, it all goes <laughs> kind of wrong here. <laughs> so I am going to just escape. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit run stop on the 88% score that Zap gave this because <laughs> I think they were on drugs or something. <laughs> 
because <laughs> this game is awful. Awful, awful, awful. Now, the, even if it was a simulator of a train, and even, even at a push, if this was a, a an attempt at trying to make that interesting, which would be a challenge, let's face it, it's just completely implausible in every possible way. So you take control of a locomotive and there are lots of controls and you can even, you know, you can run different lines and you can do all those things. All right, I get all that. But this is basically, it looks like a, a crap Sinclair Spectrum looking turd, for want of a description. <laughs> it feels like this game was at some kind of time warp of when things like this were acceptable. This runs at one frame per second. One. One FPS. One. A single little tiny... FPS one. I one. think that's being generous, if I'm honest. Well, that was it. That was by design. That was the fastest this game was ever going to get. One frame per second. There is nothing about that statement that makes me excited. <laughs> nothing good happens at one frame per second. Don't believe me? Find your significant other and go and tickle their fancy at one frame per second and see if they get anything from it. I can tell you they ain't gonna. <laughs> Nothing happens at one frame a second that's exciting. Nothing. It's got crap sound. You know, there's, there's a number of things that annoy me about this. All right. And aside from this is not a very good simulation of a train experience. Okay, that aside, it's an attempt at kind of that thing. A bad one. But this has got really rubbish sound effects. Uh, so the sounds of the steam train are not captured in particular. And that is kind of a sound you'd expect to be kind of reasonably easy to do. The kind of, you know, the shoo, shoo, shoo kind of, of a train. So, mm -hmm. but all the other sounds are kind of the, you know, the whistles and everything else, all kind of rubbish. So I just found this whole experience excruciating. You, I mean, even if you like trains and you really would have to like trains, like the graphics are kind of spectrum looking, monochromatic, not very pretty to enjoy, really stupidly one frame per second slow. You can control stuff, but in what particular manner? And I get that this is kind of technically uncharted, simulation territory but it's just dreadful dreadful in a way i can't explain now i've been on some really bad train rides in my life and i have <laughs> and i can tell you this is possibly the worst thing to happen to train travel since well i'm since not jimmy, even since it. jimmy since jimmy savile was hired <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly this is not the age of the train this is just it's the just age of the drain age of the drain it's just awful and it's just what I can't get my head around is that the idea of breaking a speed challenge, a world-beating speed challenge on a game that runs at one frame per second at a push, it's just stupid. Just, I mean, I'm guessing, I didn't look into it too far, but I'm guessing this is a port from other machines. Maybe, a spe obviously, the Spectrum. It is, a, it is a Spectrum but it, the, but, port, I think. But this is something oh. we've, we've seen quite a lot, where they make a port for the Commodore 64 and just, just port the, the whole problem, the whole... No, the graphics, everything else, they just shove that in graphic memory, don't really care too much about the gameplay, and it just runs really, really badly. Um, and I don't get the 88% re review score that this got in Zap. I don't understand it, because even if you like trains, you'd have to really like them, really like trains to really go let your um, suspension of disbelief go enough for you to think that you're on a steam train. I think you'd potentially think you just had some kind of steam-based coma that you'd been hit by a train. <laughs> and this is what the recovery from that experience is like. Over a six-week period, while you're in that coma and you're gradually coming around and people are tra playing train sounds to you to try and bring you out of it, this is what this is what you experience, a one frame per second nightmare for six weeks. 
which is pretty much what this runs at. So no, no, and no more no. Awful, 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 awful. Just goodness me, no. I thought aeroplane simulations are bad till I played the train simulator. Goodness me, goodness, no, yeah. no. The thing is, Scale Electric managed to do a, a simulation of, of a toy, and I'm sure there's probably a Hornby version of the Southern Bell somewhere. Um, just go and buy, just go and do that. Go and get yourself a model train set. If it excites you to play trains, go and do that. Best case scenario, don't buy this. Go and stand on the pavement outside your house and just make choo-choo noises because you're going to have more fun <laughs> doing that than you are ever playing this crappy game. I mean, you're going to tell me now you loved it, right? God, no. No, I'm getting attacked <laughs> by a fly. No, um, see, this is, the thing I found interesting about this, I don't actually believe it's running at one frame per second. I think it's slower. And this uh, this actually introduced the concept because normally we have, you know, FPS, you know, frames per second. Yes. Um, and they run at 30, they run at 60, 15, 10, 20, whatever sort of thing. But this actually introduced me to SP, SPF, which was seconds per frame. <laughs> Which was something I'd never come across before in a game. I was like, so this runs at three seconds per frame. I was, that's not what I want. That cat's not terrible. good. It's, it was just dreadful. I put, you drive a steam train through slow vector land. It's supposed to be London. I mean, I got it going, the train going, and the, a, a sort of vector representation of the Battersea power station loomed up oh, slowly to the left of me. And then I got told that my, my uh, engine had run, had boiled over or something. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I put <laughs> my next comment is live out your dreams. This must be the worst dreams ever. It's, yeah, the comp, the clunk, the. The controls are pretty complex. It's a sim. It's just a dull, dull, dull rubbish train dull. sim. I mean, you know, this might be up some people's siding, but it's not mine. <laughs> just thing is, right? Even if, right, you take this, if you took this back to a medium res screen, so uh -huh. and all the whole screen was a medium, a nice medium res drawn interior of a steam train, and uh -huh. you just animated the fire plate, the plate where you chuck the coal, so that had a fire animation in for some sprites and. You had a simple... Sp now, I, I, I'm, I'm not beyond the realms of capability to think that wouldn't be too difficult to do on a Commodore 64, those things. No, so to not, not do that and to just insert this Spectrum game, it, it's just like the Commodore 64 has just been bummed by a Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what came out of that process. This is the, the bummage. This is the seepage. So this is, this, is, this is what's left on the underpants of that that particular <laughs> conflagration it is so bad I, I was i was hoping this was going to be all right because i saw 88 percent and we'd looked at the advert and, it was supposed to, and i was thinking you know what this might be i'm not a massive train train driving sim it's train driving fan it's not my cup of tea but you know i'm going to give it a go and i'm not not bothered if he's got complex controls because once again you know if i can but it's just so boring and so it is. dull this is 88% represents the, the the distance it reaches inside your colon before you realise that you're being <laughs> bummed by a Spectrum game. Oh, dear. Horrible. It's, uh, yeah, really bad. No, southern southern hell. Southern hell. Dog egg. A dog egg. <laughs> yeah, this was really bad. Let's move Let's move the hell on. Quickly. Let's and, move the southern hell on. <laughs> pleasurably. Yeah, to our next game. To, right, so the last full price game before we get to our first batch of uh, budget madness. So this one is Mermaid Madness. Zap gave this 78%. So my first comment here was, was Fred Gray having an off day? <laughs> 
because the title screen music is awful. Yeah, it's but not they, great. They praised it. They praised it in the review. Said it's really good music, and I was like, "This is not great music. I it's felt, awful." I felt that they were looking for things to praise. Mm. So, so what is Mermaid Madness? It's a let's boil it down. It's a flick screen collector thing but there is a strange story behind this so mm. the, the, the story behind mermaid madness uh this see this game sees our titular mermaid who's called myrtle she is 110 years old and she falls she's never she's never had a mate or by the sounds of it or never never had anyone had a partner she falls for gormless gordon the diver who doesn't like her and so hides so essentially he runs away and he hides at the bottom of the sea underneath a sort of a wreck of some ship myrtle then has a limited amount of time before gordon's air runs out to work her way through the flick screens to collect objects to use them in the right place and to get get him out of um his predicament and thus obviously become you know hopefully become his bride or whatever so she drinks stout um i'm talking stout the thick brown stuff that's worse than bitter <laughs> yes, um, very, very um, thick. I don't. I, what is, I, yeah, no drink should be called stout. <laughs> it's the it's a wrong word for a drink. It's essentially uh, like a Guinness is like a stout, really. Although it's probably it's, a, big... it's the it's the wrong word for a drink. A drink should not be called stout. <laughs> Bitter, <laughs> yeah, that's its taste. Oh, what are you drinking? Stout. That, that sounds all wrong. Sorry to any stout drinkers out there, but I'm sorry, but no, I don't approve. I don't agree. So she's got to solve these puzzles, drink stout to to get her man. Now, my problem with this game is it's it's not terrible. It moves around all right. The, the, the visuals are okay, but I'll get to them in a minute. But I actually found the premise of this a little off-putting. I don't know about you. Problematic, um, yeah. Yeah, because essentially this feels like a game about body shaming. I said exactly the same thing I put. Um, my my first comment is token 80s fat shaming aside. Um, yeah, that's so, what this game and, feels and like. It is that because the main sprite's kind of... She's, she's, a, wait, she's, a, she's, a, she's a larger lady. It's that opening yeah. sequence where she's chasing him down the, yeah, the pier obese, and he runs yeah. off. Yeah, and she's, you know, you know and it's and the whole point of this is that Gormless Gordon like, sees her and he's like, oh my God, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's an overweight woman running at me. She's horrible and I gotta, I, I'll rather drown at the bottom of the ocean than, you know, yeah. give, her, give her the time of day. And it just it felt to me like, it's not, it's not pleasant. So, you know, we're, so, we're sort of, you know, encouraged to laugh at how overweight she is. And that's that's the joke. Exactly, and, and yes. It, it, the review was all, all about that. I mean, the, the review is very 80s. And so I'm going to put that to one side. But this doesn't stand up now. No. This doesn't, you know, as a game... I no. think this was... It just made me not want to play it. There's a combo of things that made me want to play it. It's another flick screen adventure. The main sprite, when you were a mermaid, is actually okay. It runs okay. The speed's all right. The music's awful. Mm. Awful throughout. Fred Gray, it's one of his... I like Fred Gray tunes. I've gone on record as saying how much I like Fred Gray tunes, but this is crap. I didn't like the combo of sprites. It made me like... Because you have the, the detailed main sprite and the background with single colour enemies. It put me in mind of... Uh, and I never want to be put in mind of Ultimate Games. No. But that's what it put me in the mind yeah. of those those horrible combination that they have in there. Yeah. But the, the the whole premise of this, the whole body shaming, fat shaming notion that this this hundred and ten year old overweight mermaid who drinks stouts and this trying to sort of get this gormless idiot to yeah. like her, it was just no, it tur- turned me off, and I was didn't play it for very long because I just didn't I, I didn't feel I, I didn't want to give it the time of day really. That was that was so it may be really good to play and everything, but what I played of it, it's just. It is another one of those. Yes. So, you know, I swam around a bit and tried to collect some stuff, but uh, I'm guessing, were you in the same ballpark? Yeah, I was the same. You know, I put, you know, just taking the, the fat shaming aside, because it does do that horribly. And because that's the premise of the game, that you've got a, an overweight mermaid that's rejected by a guy and all that. 
you're on a back foot immediately in the modern world. And so taking just let's say if you took that aside and just put you know, let's put that to one side, okay, let's park that and just look at the actual mechanics of this game. It's an arcade adventure with a kind of an averagely interesting, unusual premise because it's underwater and stuff like that. The graphics, considering it's underwater, are kind of more brown than blue, um, mm. which baffled me a bit. Everything seemed a bit disproportionate, and, and it was all quite difficult as well in that ultimate kind of frustrating arcade adventure kind of way as well. So it was, a uh, in terms of its take on a story-ish, uh, I suppose a, an, an unusual take on a collect-em-slash-use-em-up kind of deal, but problematic in the modern-day world, and I think unpleasant more than mm. anything else. I think visually, orally, and everything else, unpleasant. And I think just a bit of a, you know, somebody thought it was funny to have a... Uh, you know, an overweight mermaid, because that's funny to poke fun at overweight people, and you know what, it really isn't. So, just unfortunately, I didn't get into it. I again, this issue with Zap is full of this, I have to say, and I've noticed this about Zaps from here on in. The scoring is a little bit wild. Um, so seventy-eight percent for this. I don't believe this would have scored for a nine-ninety-nine game of this kind of caliber. It would really have scored seventy-eight percent. This is scoring in the same realms as this scored more than Rambo. I know Rambo mm. was a bit devoid of its content, but it was better than this in terms of its oral and graphics and everything else. So there just seems to be a bit of a, a an issue with Zap gradually forming where their scoring's a little bit incongruous. But that said, well, one of the I mean, one of the th- in the three sort of comments, it, they one of the things they praise is that is the story and the the concept and the, yeah. the setting, and and obviously that is the bit that's really not stood the test of time. So they're no. kind of g- giving it a actually, you know, it, so looking at this in the lens through the lens of 1986, when you've got things like. Blunder Woman um, and that kind of nonsense yeah, yeah. going on. I can, I can, I kind of see what they're coming at it from because yeah. going like it's not terrible and it, it does in in that respect where this was kind of a more accepted norm. It just hasn't stood the test of time. No, and I, and I agree with that totally. I think it hasn't stood the test of time. But and and in if you take out all of that and there is you know in the end you've got kind of a I don't know if you ever played Scuba Dive for the Sinclair Spectrum. Where mm. you were as a diver and you had to dive down and collect the jewels and you had a supply and and obviously they've wrapped a bit more story around it, but it is kind of that idea and that's no bad thing. That scuba dive and that idea of deep diving into the ocean to do stuff is quite a cool. I just felt that I think that was probably a little bit more of a tertiary thought once they'd got you know they'd got the idea of this you know love tryst love problem between a guy that unrequited love from a fat mermaid and a and a guy mm. who, who would rather drown than experience love at the hands of somebody that was overweight. I find that just that whole concept is a bit trite now. It wouldn't, like, it wouldn't, it's not going to work, is it? Oh, God, no, no. no. So, <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, like you said many times, accurately many times, I have to say, put it in the lens of the 80s, just put the 80s lens on there over that, look over it, and it, even if you do that with this, you've just got a that kind of a diving game that's kind of boring with very few locations, bad sprites, mostly brown instead of blue, and just not very enjoyable. So I didn't, dig it um zap kind of dug it and for full price i'm not sure you dug it either so i mean no no i I didn't i wouldn't it's not one i would say to everyone go immediately now and play mermaid madness i'd be saying don't play mermaid Madness. no it's mermaid badness mermaid badness is correct yes there you go yeah so mm, problematic game that one actually i didn't didn't yeah found uh, uncomfortable to 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 put myself in front of yeah yeah 
Right, there we go. That's the full price game. So in this issue of uh, Zap, they they obviously had a you know we'd had quite we've had quite a few budget titles reviewed just during the normal run of Zap, and I think at this point they just became overrun with them because I think how many is there? There's about fourteen. Loads. Um, yeah. there's, well, there there's was loads a slew here. of them. They called them so, the Americana, didn't they? Yeah, so we've got this budget range feature they've got at the, at the back of the magazine. So what we've done is, um, in the lieu of like crapverts, so I think we do actually have a couple of crapverts for next next week. But um, in lieu of that, what we're going to do is we're going to do this section. We're going to call it Cheapers Creepers. Cheapers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Cheapers Creepers. Where'd you get those eyes? So these are cheap budget games. A lot of them came from Americana. We had some Firebird stuff. And these were all sort of rounded up into this section at the end. So we've got tons here. A lot of them are older games, but these are all the budget sections. So Zap has kind of split these off into their own section. So we're going to kind of do the same here. Um, we're going to review half of them in this episode and the other half at the back end of next episode. So these may not be... We may go... I don't know whether how much time we're going to spend on these. Maybe as long as our normal stuff, but we've got quite a lot to get through. So as we enter this, so be aware sort of thing, some of these are old we normally have a bit of a you know we've we've made it no stranger that full price games being released um that you know 1984 1985 1983 stuff whatever coming over from america being released was is not our pension for you know forte we don't like that however in the range of these things being you know released down at a budget range those views may change slightly but let's have a look so we've got quite a lot here <laughs> So our first title, Graham, if you want to tell us, is Hess, Hess Game. Yeah, or H-E-S, Hess, H-E-S Games. Do you know what it stands for, by the way? No. It stands for Human Engineered Software. Ah, silly. As opposed to AI games, which would be artificial engineered software, I guess. So this is a sports game in the tradition of, a multi-event sports game in the tradition of the Olympic type game. So Summer Games, Summer Games 2, Daily Thompson's, that kind of thing. Where you've got uh, hyper sports, that kind of. So you've got multi events that you can play at. So I think there's six different track and field disciplines in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 100 meter sprint, 110 meter hurdles. I think there's diving. There's essentially there's a few, uh, there's archery as well. Um, long jump and long to jump. weightlifting. Yeah. So it's not dissimilar to a kind of uh, summer games, world games, a bit of a, a bit of a, an offshoot of that, really. Mm. And I have to say. This is actually pretty good. So you can play the events. Obviously, it follows the same kind of control methodology as other games of this type. So waggling, pressing the button at the right time, jumping and landing. And the sprites are quite big and quite well animated. Actually, I would say, even though they're kind of blocky, they're kind of very well animated. Mm. Um, And you get to play through these events in in a similar way to you do with these other kind of games. There's nothing to say about the format of the game other than the graphics are quite interesting. And the events are quite nice. I actually quite like this. For two ninety nine, this is apparently it's an older game, but for two ninety nine, um, this was actually pretty good. My issue with the game only was that it was kind of buggy. My version of it kind of crashed out periodically. It didn't load all the mm. time. Some parts of it worked, some didn't. It, I would get through halfway through an event and it would just stop. So, and I don't know if that's down to the emulation or whether that's just how it was. It just felt a bit buggy, but it's a kind of a. An interesting game, and graphically, and in the way it's been programmed, are actually a little bit ahead of its time when you think of when it was made. Because yeah. the sprites are quite good, and the animation's actually slightly better in its own way than games that are far, you know, the Epics games, which are the kind of benchmark for this. The animation on this is actually as good as, if not slightly better in some instances, like the uh, the, the 100 meter sprint and stuff like that. The way they run, and the way you sort of animate, and the way the characters are done, it's quite cool. So, 
I liked it. Um, for two ninety nine, this is a bargain. You get a lot of mileage out of that for this. And mm. I thought it was, it, I thought it was really good. It was just, and I, and again, it might have been my emulated version of this. It just felt buggy, like it didn't work every time, or the events didn't quite work every time. That could have just been a quirk of the environment that I was playing it in. But uh, for two ninety nine, you couldn't really go wrong for that. There's a lot of game there for two for three quid. Mm. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was good, really good. Hats yeah, off, I mean, budget it, game that really lived up to its uh, budgetary. Yeah, because it, it's got ninety five percent, doesn't it? So yeah, it's good got, at ninety five percent. It is a sizzler. Yeah. So this is. Uh, I think this came out in nineteen eighty four originally, which would have been around the same time as Daily Thompson's yeah. and Activision's Decathlon, I guess. But I think it's possibly probably superior to both of those. And and yeah, for, for I, I do remember playing this. It's a weird. It's a weird one because it kind of because I don't you know supposedly when it first came out it was like twenty five quid um, or thirty quid or something. They say in the review, they say to yeah, I think it's twenty five pound or something when it first came out because it was disc only or something but now it's been put onto tape and is like a, uh, they say it's an eighth of the price it's um it, it, i mean at this point yeah it's probably superseded by summer games one and two winter games but you know the, the six events are varied mine kept crashing as well i, I it could be the emulation it could yeah. be the, I, I don't i don't remember it being a problem back then uh it's got really smooth animations the detailed or you know there's some nice um, and then there's some nice, decent visuals, like the archery is quite, you know, impressive and intelligent. The clean, the uh, weightlifting, the diving, <laughs> the diving is, I was just terrible at. Um, yeah, I wasn't uh, great you know, at all the events. Um, I, I like some of the sort of subtlety, some of the um, the controls, like the long jump where you have to jump and then you got to, you know, when you land, you got to push to the right to make sure you don't fall backwards yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that. My only real caveat on, on this was, and I don't know whether it was I, I missed it or I couldn't find it, I couldn't see it. There didn't seem to be any option to play through them all in some kind of sequence. It's just one no, at a time. it's just events, yeah. It's just events, and they just go forever yeah, until yeah, you get yeah. bored of it. Yeah. And then you just reset it, which I found weird. It would have been nice if you could have done a series and scored your way through it and with multiple players yeah, yeah. or whatever. That would have been good. But, you know, you could always do that individually, I guess. You just play it once and record it and yeah. go through it and go to the next one. So you, you just have to do that manually. All told, though, yeah, really impressive. Um, mm. a, a really, really good game. Um, yeah. And just a fun, fun, well-presented, well-animated sport, sports game that um, kind of, you know, just a stupid name, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure where that... Well, I'm not sure why that, but at that time... And the, I have to say, I'd never come across the, that game ever. So it was no, you com- never played it back no, then? No, no, it was completely new to me. I'd never even heard of it. So I actually went into this thinking, Hess Games, what is this nonsense? And I was very impressed with it. I, found that, I do find that the menus and the sort of controls to start the game were a bit... Yeah, uh, un- unwieldy. Well, they're a bit 1985, 1984, aren't they? They're a bit old. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, once you get past Please that, it's all right. It is good. Yeah, we like Hess Games. That yeah. is good. Yep. So, our next one, our next budget, our next creeper um, is New York City. Again, another Americana one, I believe. So... What is New York City? Now, I'm going to probably go off on a, maybe a bit of a tangent, but um, here. So this wasn't liked as much. 40%, 2.99 again. So some guy called Ed is on a trip from his local small town. He's gone to see the sights of New York City. So as you get as this game starts, you have um, a top-down sort of view. Uh, Ghostbusters-like, I would say, almost a little bit, maybe sort of, a, but, but, yeah, scroll, scroll, but scrolling, of, of New York City. And there are cars driving around, and you're driving a car as well. Your car is quite souped up, so you can plough through other cars and wreck them. The other cars just drive into each other randomly. But there are also pickup trucks as well. Don't drive into them. If you drive into them, 
a.m. You will be your car will be crashed. You will end up in the hospital, and you've got to go get your car back from the garage. Something I could yeah. never manage to do. No. Um, I, I can never manage to get back into it, so I'm not sure what that was all about. The whole point of the game is that you've got to go and visit all the sites in New York City. So you've got to visit the Empire State Building, um, the zoo, the way World Trade Center. Obviously, they were still standing back then, and so on and so forth. You go into these, and in each each setting, each uh, site to see is a small mini game that you have to complete. Most of the ones I went into just came up with a massive closed. I don't know if you got that. So they yeah, just didn't same. work. The only one, I, the only one I could get working was the zoo, and I didn't understand what I was supposed to do until I realised, oh, I have to section off all the animals yeah, into a grid, a grid, up, yeah. a grid of their own. But by that point, it was too late, and anyway, I ran out of money. Game was over. There's not much to this. It's kind of a strange. It is a strange game, and that's it, really. You kind of once you're out your car, you, you're you're on foot, you're wandering around, you're trying not to get hit by other cars. Cars drive around. This is top down view. It's very simple, but the game that this reminded me of and see if you think the same I don't know if you have this because of the way it looks and you're in New York City and you're driving around and there's cars going you put a gun in that guy's hand and you've got the original GTA that's exactly what I've put oh that's good yeah, this felt like the forerunner to the very yeah. first, or maybe even the second GTA. Yeah. Well, because obviously the first GTA, because you know it's a one-shot deal, and it you die in the first GTA, and it's game over. Yeah. Um, I think it was GTA Two that introduced the missions and the, yeah. the you know you ended up at the hospital and things like that. I think it was GTA Two. Um, well, it might have been GTA London. I can't remember what. So this reminded me of that, and so it was weird playing this and seeing you know that I, I don't know it's not it's not very good. But there's definitely something here that made me go, you know what? If I if you put this and you put this as a as a line, uh, you know, to GTA and GTA Two, the t- top down two D ones, there's a definite lineage there. Of yeah. Walking around a city and walking around New York, because obviously, granted, it was always Liberty City, but Liberty City is based on New York. We know yeah. that. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's just as an aside, and I was like, oh, this, you know, this is what it reminds me of. Forty percent's about right though, because it's still not very good. Um, uh, I completely even agree. for three quid. So. Yeah, did you get anything more? You didn't get no, much anything? No, no more than that. Uh, I just found it a, a wander round a thon, really. I was quickly knocked out of my vehicle, ended up in the hospital, and then it was just kind of me. But it was at those moments when I was like at my absolute most GTA, mm. thinking this is GTA. This is a very early version of Grand Theft Auto. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. There is a direct line between the way this looks and this way this plays and that initial the way the cars were kind of running around the streets the way you could you could actually get into vehicles as well if you wanted to and drive them around this is very very early days gta it is and i think that's quite important weirdly trapped in a game that makes very little sense and doesn't yeah. play very well. <laughs> yeah. and i think that's because they didn't know what to do with the idea if somebody had traveled back in time from gta times and said you know what just put a gun in that guy's hand and make it <laughs> so you can just you know do these do these things that's all it would have taken and that, mm. that little sprite that you leave the hospital with has a gun and can punch and kick people and can get into cars and steal them and do those things and all the things that were that early GTA. It didn't need that kind of zoom in and zoom out kind of 3D effect from the camera. This is very early GTA, I have to say. I think you're 100, 100% 200% correct. So I have to say all the rest of it is rubbish, really. I didn't enjoy that. But it did make me think, wow, a two ninety nine game called New York City, there's something in that, really. There's... A, there's Somebody must have seen that. Who later went to design GTA? I don't doubt it. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the case as well. Game, the game to... itself was just forgettable garbage with crappy graphics and tertiary sounds and not much to it, and very difficult to do anything. I was coming in at hospital all the time, not really getting anywhere, not really doing anything, but couldn't help shake that GTA vibe. I was like, this is this. There is that there. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I would say to say to anyone listening to this, just 
download the the version of New York City and play it and just in you know tweet feel free to tweet us email us zap to the past at gmail.com and tell us what you think about that because I, I think you're exactly right. I think this is really, if you put called this Grand Theft Auto in brackets New York City, I don't think it would be far off. It's not far off having the game mechanics of that game. And I would be really interested to know what people think about that. Yeah, well, that's the uh, the the interesting thing. And I, I, I thought this was the case. Gary Penn joined DMA Design in, director Gary Penn joined the project um, they were developing a new game, Race and Chase, in April 1995. The development team consisted of mostly inexperienced members who struggled with tasks until producer and creative director Gary Penn joined the project. Originally scheduled for release in 96, the game was ultimately released as Grand Theft Auto. Ah, there you go. I mean, I'm not saying it's looked back on this, but I, imagine, I wonder if this had a... There was some... It can't not... It's not coincidence. This game has a look. Yeah. It can't be... And if, and if it was a coincidence, both of us wouldn't have spotted it independently because we don't communicate when we play these games with each play these yeah, games with true, each other yeah. when we play these games um while we're doing the research for the various podcast episodes we don't communicate about the games themselves we sometimes mm. just send messages to each other <laughs> saying oh my god <laughs> you're gonna, so you're, one, one of these games is going to be crap and you're going to figure out what's wrong. but we never actually conflab and sit there and talk about the games till we do the podcast which is one of one of the great things about the podcast so for us to both come to that conclusion i think is very interesting and i would like other people who listen to this podcast mark broadbent i'm looking at you but other people who listen to the podcast go and play new york city get past the 40 percent zap review and just tell tell us what you think and see if you agree mm. with us because i think there's a number of games like it not a number of games like this one that makes like gta but we've come across the genus of things and this is the great thing um, we talked about that with Law of the West and with these other games that have got those seeds are there. There's no doubt about that. These are the early, early, early versions. The, you know, the, the computing power isn't there to be able to do a lot of the complexity. But the games themselves and the look and the way it works, and I think this is one of the most stark examples of that I think we've come across yet. Yeah, so, I agree. So yeah. go go check it out because I think it's very, very interesting. Unfortunately, mm. the game isn't. <laughs> yeah, the game's a bit weak. So yeah, it's so a New York City. Interesting, interesting example. It's interesting, yeah. sort of if it, if there's something there, but yeah, but I the game itself is, is, is not, I, not I really would worth. I greatly much. value other people's input into that conversation. Hmm. Did you prefer it to our next game, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is? Uh, a 199, so this is Firebird, isn't it? Yeah, of course it's this bloody is, Firebird. <laughs> this is Willow Pattern people, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, so this is Booty. Graham, Booty? So, is it a booty? Is this a booty? Is, is this beautiful? Is it beautiful? <laughs> right. <There's, laughs> I'm not going to use the red pill, blue pill thing for this. <laughs> On the surface, this game is a very bog standard. You're trapped in a ship. You've got to navigate the decks of the ship, collect keys to open doors, to collect jewels. The gems and avoid the bad baddies. Problem with this game is that it's actually incompletable because it's so crazy difficult to do those. You know, eventually you're never going to be able to do that, and it actually becomes impossible to do because on certain levels you've got a certain amount of time to get the final key, and if you can't get to that, it doesn't matter really. The idea of this game, the graphics in it are kind of very basic for what they are, but it's basic for a 199 game well there's other 199 games that have this kind of basic graphics so okay it's kind of you know and there's the ship is kind of brown and you can go up and down the levels so it's not a very good game in the sense that it's it's a puzzly multi-level platformer type thing really and not a great one however this is the only commodore 64 game ever that my dad actually liked 
<laughs> I did wonder because you messaged me going, "Am I got booties on here?" And yeah. I was like, and? Now, <laughs> my, "Now, my dad was—I've said it before. My dad was in the merchant navy for he was yes. forty-five, fifty years. He was a captain in the merchant navy, and he really liked booty. In fact, it's the only game ever that he managed to load himself on his own. <laughs> and I and I came back from school one afternoon and found that he'd been playing this all day. Is this your tapper moment? Yeah, so I just came back and yeah, I think and he ca- and I came back and he'd been playing Booty all day. He even liked the music, which is a really weird version of a, a musical. So it's the um it's the music from um I want to say um HMS Pinafore, I think, but it's it's I one think. of those. So it's one of those. Um so he really he, everything about Booty, he loved it. Pirate ships, wandering around the decks of a ship, piratey music. He loved it and i think so i have a bit of an affinity for it because it was the only game he ever liked and the only game he ever loaded um, everything about the game is crap <laughs> it really yeah. is awful in every yeah. possible respect <laughs> so i don't like the game i like my memories that have been attached to it because it, it just my uh, dad was not a computer user of any description in fact he just didn't get it and he didn't understand it but he did fund it so when i went to him to pitch that i needed an expert cartridge and when I went to him and pitched that I needed the action replay cartridge, which is essentially the same thing, and a 1541 disk drive and all the other things that I went to him, you know, to the committee of my dad to pitch, I think in the back of his mind, he thought, you know, I wonder if Booty will work on that. <laughs> so I think this, the, the Booty door had been opened, which sounds very rude, but I meant that uh, the door of this game opened up an avenue in my dad's mind that meant that for some reason I was able to, you know, pitch for things that were well outside of my pitching ability at that age <laughs> and so i do have an affinity for it but the game is just rubbish and 16 percent generous for what is essentially an impossible platform we've criticized games that are far worse at least this is 199 so it's not full price that's the only thing i can say about it but mm. i can't imagine you thought any different really no, no 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 i thought it was awful multi-level door opener with keys in awkward places that can only be carried one at a time because they are so massive <laughs> they have big keys aren't they <laughs> They're as big massive. As in. They're massive. <laughs> and yet the, uh, the sprite, the ghost sprites, they're really small. They're smaller than yeah. you. So the ghosts it's, it's are like, all... the pirates of the ship are so tiny, it's no wonder it failed. <laughs> yeah. I've got a teeth grinding tune and poor visuals round out a pretty poor budget did, By the way, did you get stuck when the pirates appeared and you couldn't escape? You're like, oh, this is bad design when a, a pirate, ghost pirate appears on a deck that you're on. Yep. And you're yeah. like, there's no way out. I can't jump because there's no jump on this. That's it. Which, no, which would have been... Why is that not there? <laughs> Why? Know. Why? I, I, to, to me, I, to me, this was a poor man's castles of Doctor Creep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. In that, you know, that because because what you end up with in 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 this game is that first screen is kind of you can't. It's kind of misleading, isn't it? Because that first screen, you kind of solve it and you get down, and then you suddenly like, what next? And you go through a door, and then it's like thing, and then you go through another door, and you're in a different area. And it reminded me of going through all those doors in Castles of Doctor yeah. Creep into different yeah. rooms with different yeah. things and trying to map it. You're like no. same stupid logic. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, this was awful, awful, yeah. awful crap. Sixteen percent was about. Yeah. yeah, was right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I'm glad you have um, pleasant memories of it. There, that's nice. I just have. I just. I think. You know, I never knew that. My dad never saw the value of a Commodore sixty four ever. I just pestered <laughs> him to the point when he just thought, if, he, if I buy him one, will you shut up? <laughs> and so when I got it, then it was after that. I was forever felt like I had to try and prove that it had value to him. So learning to program on it in basic, learning to then do machine code and do all of those things that I did made it didn't matter to him as long as it. As long, but playing booty really mattered to him. <laughs> so for some reason, he just thought that was cool. So you know what? Therefore, the Commodore sixty four was cool, and it meant when I asked for a two hundred fifty pound. 
floppy drive. He was like, all right. <laughs> Works well, for me. Well, Good old booty. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Means, means, Dad, I can load booty up quicker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I didn't say those exact words. <laughs> I imagine you did. Um, one might have said that was your, a fa- your father's folly. A uh, little bit like our next game. Oh. Uh, no, actually, no. Ollie's Follies is our next one um, in our Cheapest Creepers section. Uh, so this got 70%. This is two ninety nine. This is an Americana one. So this is an old uh, old American one. So this is a single-screen puzzle platformer that very I found very reminiscent of Bounty Bob and Minor 2049er. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sort of pseudo 3D platforms that have you jumping around. Yeah. I... To be honest, I didn't actually mind that this much. No. There's some nice mechanics. It was a weird... I thought some of these games, like, they seem to have things in them that belie their age, like the inertia with the character when you slow yes, down and speed I up. I like that on this. Well, it was unusual to see because so often yeah. we just don't see that, that potentially, you know, Mario-esque. Yes, um, yes. Uh, you know, that, that sense of you just don't slow down. I've you, made you the exact same and, note, which is interesting about that. I have yeah, a that reminded yeah. me of Mario. Yeah, exactly. So, and the, you know, that's good to see. The visuals mm. are okay. They're a bit, yeah. they're a bit blocky. Um, and the sound's okay. It didn't bit make blocky. me go... Yeah, it is. It didn't make me want to claw my eyeballs out, So, um, which wouldn't have helped with the sound. Um, <laughs> it would. <laughs> well, my screaming would have overdone it. Well, probably, no, it's yeah. the same. It's like when you're in a car. You know, the, if you're driving into a car park, the first thing you do is turn down the volume so you can see what you're doing. Okay. Don't you, do you? Don't you, you don't even notice that when you're driving into a city? I don't know if you do. This is a stupid aside, but I don't know if you do that. I always do. If I'm driving into a complex traffic area, well, isn't I, if I've got the music, be- on, I have to turn the music down so I can see what I'm doing. Well, isn't that because like when you're you need to be more aware of your surroundings. Some so say your that. sounds and... <laughs> Some say that. <laughs> I <Yes>. say that. <laughs> I say more. Um... <laughs> Some, uh, there's some nice level elements, the moving platforms, the fans, that kind of stuff. Mm. It gets quite tricky. My main bugbear with it was that um, I found the collision on the platforms was a bit twitchy yeah, and a bit, it was a bit it, hit and miss. It, it was like it, it felt there was a there was a sort of disconnect between the 3D visual of the platform and where I fell off them. Yes, yes. Um, it felt 2D. It felt 2D, but it was a 3D, uh, you know, a representation of a 3D visual. So it didn't look like there was any depth because I just kept falling off what, what felt like a 2D representation yeah, yeah. of them. But, you know, so the essential part of this was you had to, you just, you've got to get, you've got to, you've got to collect objects, aren't you? You've got to collect some stuff around, kill the kill stuff on the thing and get to the exit and move on to the next screen yeah. where there's extra mechanics and you, you carry on. And, and um, I quite like the way you had to move around the levels sometimes in a not, what not you know, you had to kind of work it out. It wasn't always totally obvious. So it wasn't a straight straight run from a to b you kind of had to loop loop through even though it was a single screen they were kind of planned in a way that no you've got to drop down there go back there don't jump there and work your way through i 70 percent. i would yeah i'm probably in agreement with that i think this is probably about right i enjoyed this as a platformer an old school platformer that does exactly what it says on the tin stupid name but yeah i i just didn't make me angry i thought this is all right so you know in light of having just played booty I was okay with this. Were you? Were you in the same? Yeah, yeah, I was. I just, I thought, you know what? This is playable enough. It's a playable game, and it's a, a nice arcade puzzle. If if you just go with it, you've got there's some quirks in it here and there, but you know what? Uh, the graphics aren't amazing. Sounds okay. It's of its time a little bit. It's a bit dated in this modern world of 1986, mm-hmm. but and it's got that toughness. Of course, it's quite a hard game. But for 2.99, it ain't bad at all, actually. I enjoyed my time with it. I thought it was a nice little arcade puzzler. And I, if you go with the logic of that and don't expect it to be 
mind-blowing for $2.99. Uh, I think you've got a bargain on your hands, and it's well worth the 70%. It's certainly better than some of the others we've played, so it's way better than Booty. Don't tell my dad, though, but it's well better than that. But <laughs> I, won't, I won't yeah. mention it to him, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. good. It's good. Good. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Was he the same character in another game that we'll, we'll check in a minute as well? I think he was. I think it was the think same so. sprite one. I think it was, yeah. Mm, very similar. Anyway, so that's all his follies. Yeah, that's all right. 70%. Our next one up, Moon Shuttle. Yeah. Uh, so we go from the reasonably good, well, I say, actually, that's not fair to Ollie's follies, the, the, the better than average Ollie's follies, to the stupid crap that's Moon Shuttle. <laughs> so this is Moon Shuttle 299, again, part of the whole you know, crap-arama of. Some of these budget games not being great. Shoot them up, very basic shoot them up. So essentially, base invaders really with sort of added graphics of a type. Um, you've got to shoot through your ast- the asteroid field, and then you get an enemy wave, which is kind of a floaty Phoenix style. Well, I say Phoenix style, less enemies than Phoenix style. So some a small mm. collection of sprites shoot at you, and you shoot at them. And once you get through that, it's more of the same, more of the same, more of the same. So you know, then the you get to the next asteroid field and it's moving and you've got to shoot through that. A little bit like you do in the Tron arcade game where you have to shoot into the MCP and you've got to shoot oh, the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shoot the, shoot the... So it's that kind of thing. So a multi-level shoot the bodies, shoot the thing, shoot the bodies, shoot the thing. A very bog-standard early shoot em up Graphics are okay, but very small. Not many of them. Uh, I think you could choose different difficulty levels. I th- no, you can't actually. Not this one. I think it's just got. I think you've got lives, and um, there's no way of changing anything in it. Really, you just start the game and just shoot your way through. I just felt that it was out of all the games we played for this kind of section. This perhaps felt the most out of its time. Had this been released at 1982, 93, I could see it being a kind of possible shoot Space Invaders ish clone. Mm. But in 1986 for 2.99, I think you're pushing it. So for me, it was just kind of. It's not a, a very interesting game to play because there's not a lot to it. It, 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 there isn't enough enemies in it for it to be difficult for the shoot up so boring and I found myself ploughing through it really easily I don't know if that yeah it's, it's not particularly hard I think 13% is way too harsh though um, if yeah, I'm, perfect, it is if I'm perfectly honest because it's, it's simple uh, but I, I, in in amongst everything here I was expecting this to be god awful 13% you're thinking oh god this isn't going to be great and yet um, maybe going in with that low expectation coloured my perception maybe a little bit because I actually for the few minutes I spent playing this, and it was a few, you know, I'm not going to say it was very long, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, got a few goes. I enjoyed it. I, I had a bit of fun. I didn't really mind it. It's, it is, a, I think you are bang on the money. It's a 1982 arcade shooter yeah. in that Phoenix, Galaxians, Space Invaders, early, early style. And that's exactly what this is. I quite liked the the different style of enemies on each level i mean the, obviously once you get through you have to get through the asteroid field each time but the different style that you have and the weirdness of them as well i thought you know different sprites the jellyfish in the third level there's the weird sort of pencils with wings or whatever they were in the second level there's the strange sort of ro- ro- rotating ass things that whatever they look like in that first level <laughs> they did look like asses that fired bullets out of their bum holes <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't it <laughs> i didn't know what the hell they were but yeah um and it you know they all had different movements and different movement patterns and stuff to get past so it wasn't just the same thing over and over um i actually quite liked your main sprite it was chunky but it was a it was a rocket and it was recognizable as a rocket it wasn't bad I, yeah i think you're right in that this is probably 299 is maybe this one yeah 199 would have been more in time Sort of thing. It reminded me of like uh, you know old, you know jet, old jetpack and things like that, and and things 
we're releasing 83, 84, 82. And, and for that, it is what it is. But I don't know, if I'd have bought it, if that's all there was, I'd have probably been a bit like, oh, it's a bit on the easy side and a bit simple. But as I didn't, and it, I, you know, I think 30% was too, maybe right, I don't know. But I didn't hate this as much as I hated some of the stuff we've, we've had to endure. Uh, I agree. And you know I what? I this to Southern Bell. Yeah, exactly. At least it runs at faster than one FPS or whatever that <laughs> S- was. SPF. One, S- one SPF. Um, but, Some protection um, factor. I think, I think I don't know about you, but when I read Moon Shuttle, I was expecting it to be a bit like Moon Buggy. So I was kind of expecting that. So when it came up with a, as a Space Invaders, I was like, oh, okay, it's a Space Invaders kind of game. Mm, and yeah. and I, think, I think you're right. 13% is a bit harsh for what it is. I wouldn't say it was amazing, but I don't know if that's a bit... Because bit, the sound is not great either, but it's a bit low. But it was a pleasant enough game. This is one of those Nana games we spoke about before, but this isn't one you're going to push it down the stairs for. Um, <laughs> no, you know, a, a hip's going to be safe with this yeah, one. If, if, if you got this one, she's like, I bought your moon shuttle, Adrian, because I know you like shuttles and the moon. Like, <laughs> and when you played it, you'd be like, it's all right, it's possible. So, you know, you live another year. Um, no, I'll, see you next, I'll see you next so, Christmas. See what I'll rubbish make, you find gonna, me. I'll make sure I chop the potatoes in half so, that, so you don't, there's no choking risk this year. Yeah, I'll cook them all the way through this time. <laughs> the sprouts will be boiled for longer. Um, <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's... It's actually not bad, is it? For, um, for I, think, yeah. I think you're right. One ninety nine is a more applicable price for something as simple as this. But it's all this right. would have reminded me. Uh, this reminded me of it. I think one ninety nine. And if I'd have bought this from Four Boys, you know, in 19, yeah the news agents, in, in, yeah. yeah the news agents in nineteen eighty four, I'd have been like, you know what, it's all right. There's one we did buy that was some kind of um, jetpack ripoff that was okay. And I think if I'd have bought that, then I'd have been all right with this. I'd have been like, you know, there's a few levels. I'd be, I'd just be happy shooting stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you know yeah, the because... only game I ever, ever bought from Four Boys, the news agent, was Arabian Nights. And I have not forgiven them yet. <laughs> That's why they went out of business. Because yeah. you made it you made it your mortal your Imran lifelong ambition. Began his quest on Sinbad ship, sailing the perilous <laughs> waters of the Arabian. Actually the speech was pretty good. Might have been better than I imagined. We haven't come across that weird enough. But anyway, no. that's the only one I ever bought. Probably too early. Big Mouth, wasn't it? Uh, Big Mouth speech. Yeah, I think it was that kind of... But it had kind of an accent. It's weird, but I, know. I might check out on YouTube, actually. It's a long time since I even thought about that game, for good cause. All right, we've got two left. Two left in this budget roundup. The next one up, we've got Scrolls of Abaddon. Uh, another two ninety nine Americana one. This sees the guy from Ollie's Follies moved into a three D Pac Man alike, but with a twist. So, so Scrolls of Abaddon. It's a strange name. It sees you trapped by a wizard in an isometric Pac Man variant, um, and it's probably not something you want to happen. So you traverse the maze. The, the difference is here that the twist on this Pac Man type thing, apart from it being three D isometric, slightly isometric view, is that when you move, you lay down an arrow behind you, which is the direction you came from, which means you can't backtrack. So you then have to carefully start planning your route around this maze because it can quickly you can quickly not back yourself in. You've always got a way out. You can always move forward, but you suddenly might find yourself having to go all the way back to the top just to come loop back around to get to the bottom. Uh, so you've got to collect all the sort of gems, like all the you know the pills in Pac-Man. Once that happens, you then open up four sort of trap doors to different maps. You can go on them and they head up, down, left, right. Repeat. Ghost, well, not Ghost, this version's whatever they are of Ghost, they look with a weird sort of sea urchin jellyfish. What, what were they? They were like uh, seahorsey type something. I want to say, weird. I want to say seahorses. Yeah, they were like weird sort of things that move around. So you got to avoid them. You can find scrolls every now and again um, from the wizard. 
um, and then you allows you to type in a word and gives you certain powers. The only one I actually yeah. found was walk, was walk. Did you find that one? Uh, uh, yes, I think I did actually. So yeah. what you type in walk, and what that allows you to do is it gives you allows you to walk against the grain of the arrows, so you can backtrack. The arrows stay there, but you can then have free movement around the thing. I think you get twenty moves to do that. So there's these things sort of lifted up slightly. I mean, it's got twenty eight percent in that, which again I think was a little bit harsh uh, hmm. because I I didn't particularly you know. I didn't get. I played it for a fair bit. I went through some mazes. I think the problem with this is it's just a bit samey. Um, yes. But it's central core conceit of this kind of multiple Pac-Man mazes and these maps and this sort of notion of trying to map your way through by you know and then having you can quickly sort of find yourself in a dead end with monsters on either way and you can't move out. Kind of reminded me of that stupid web game, Dickie's Diamonds. I think where you, you know yeah, you, you yeah, got, yeah. You, if you don't want to go backwards because you lose your flight. So there, there is that about it, and it. it it's okay. The spells allow it to be mixed up a bit. This, you know, it's clearly 1984, and it's clearly the guy from Ollie's Follies. But it was all right. I didn't. Again, strangely enough, I didn't didn't get annoyed by this. I think 28 percent was too harsh. What well, I don't know. Did you? What did you think? I put that for 2.99. At least it was cheap because it's kind of a weird isometric puzzler, like you say, kind of a weird Pac-Man type deal. Perhaps without the ghosts, collect the gems, go in one direction. Same sort of sprites as the other game. Ran at an okay pace. It didn't hold my interest very long, but Pac-Man doesn't hold my interest very long, and yet every now and again I still play it. So mm. I think this was, I think it was all, all right, and I think it was simple enough to just get into and go. And again, I think Zap were a bit harsh with it. For two ninety nine, this is this is an all right, and what it is is finished. It may not have the spit and polish of some of the real fancy games, but it's finished and it works and you can do the things that you're supposed to do and you can, and you can figure stuff out. And yes, it's difficult. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But at least you can do all those things. And I think this game might have you coming back for more because I think there's a little bit to it and it is quite nice. I quite I quite enjoyed my time yeah. with it. So And also it's fast. Harsh. Yeah, I was going to say, it ran at a decent pace. The other game did as well. These aren't slow... No, these aren't one yeah. frame per second train games, are they? These no. are... These are running at a decent pace. They're like little mini arcade games in their own right. And I guess that's the kind of the Americana type thing. These games are going to run a little bit, you know, decent at a decent click. Mm. It's not bad. Um, and it's certainly worth the money that it was sold for. Any more than that, I think you'd have been, you know. And it's nice to see that finally these games, because we've mentioned this in our early issues, early episodes rather of this podcast, that these Americana games that are coming out at full price were just a blatant ripoff. At least now they're not full price. And I think there's mm. been a, clearly been a realisation that you can't just release any old crap and expect people to pay nine ninety five for it and be happy about it. This is two ninety nine. It's certainly the best of a crop of these games, or one of the best. So I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, it was all right. All right, so up with our last one. Is this, who did this? Was it the Firebird one? Um, um, I didn't make a note of who did it, actually. Anyway, uh, I'll check while you tell us about raging beast so raging beast or olay as it's also known olay um, is one of a very few if not one of the only bullfighting games so let's just suspend our thoughts and feelings about bullfighting <laughs> for a yeah. moment because we're in the 80s ethics where you know what nothing matters and anything's fair game so this is a game where you play a matador and in the very essence of being a matador Ball charges towards you, and you have a little animated sprite that you can wave your red. I don't even know what the name of the thing they wave at them, but flag for want of a better description. Cape, I think it's their cape. cape. Isn't it? Yeah, wave the cape. In, in that, so it's a bullfighting game, and you are 
the guy that's mm. the bull fighter and the bull charges at you and you can do various different moves. It reminded me of an event that could have possibly been placed in, in a epics game that never was. So mm-hmm. this could have been slotted into world games and I don't think it would have looked too out of place in that logic because it kind of felt it looked a bit like that. So my, I mean, these, <laughs> the bizarre thing here is that it got 89% in the review. I felt that this game didn't have much to offer. I felt like it was quite uncontrollable. The main sprite felt like it ran around a lot and I couldn't do much. And I kept putting my cloak down and then I could drop <laughs> picking it up. And before I realized it, I was being, you know, prodded by the bull um, or hit by the horns. I'm not sure which sounds awful, whichever way you say it. Um, so even if the ethics of the game weren't an issue, which for me they are because I don't like the idea of bullfighting at all. Mm. But let's just, you know, suspend. And did I feel like way back in 1986, I probably had no opinion on bullfighting. I was too busy wondering whether my level seven cleric was going to make it past the, <laughs> the, the the goth demon or whatever. So let's just put it back into context. So I just found it, as a game, it was a bit uncontrollable. I wasn't 100% sure that because you can do different moves to sort of, you know, ole kind of and sort of mm. do different moves. I couldn't really do the ones I wanted. And I looked up the controls and I looked up the instructions and it still didn't seem to do the things I wanted to do when I wanted to do them, which in this kind of game is kind of critical because the whole thing is that. So in there, there's probably quite a playable event. It felt like it should have belonged in a world games that probably never would have been. And if that had been the case, if bullfighting had been a part of world world games instead of, say, the Cabotoss, ethically aside, it might have sat in there nicely. As a standalone game, I don't think there's enough in it. I like the fact you could personalize things. You could make it your you could name your own bullfighter mm. and you could do all those things. I like mm-hmm. I liked some of those little touches to it. And the graphics themselves were disproportionate. So your bullfighter guy was at least as big as the bull that was chasing after you because of the sprite scaling and sprite size. So there were issues around that. I have to say, my entire basis of an understanding of bullfighting is down to one Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> so and it really is. I have to say it, but it is. So, you know, half of me expected uh, to be able to perform traps for the bull and do all the wonderful things and call him a ling cow poop and what a maroon and all the things that Bugs Bunny does in that <laughs> wonderful Bugs Bunny cartoon. So that's my understanding of it. I don't relish the idea of stabbing a bull through the brains with the sword in any capacity, whether it's a game or otherwise. So on the in putting my modern hat on, it's not a game for me because of that. Putting my 1986 hat on, I don't believe it deserved 89%. I just felt like it was a... They plucked an event out of another game and made it into something. So what about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I, want the, I mean, it's a bullfighting game. It's one screen, you tease the bull, and then you all, all lay it past you, don't you? So, yeah, yeah. And uh, try not to get stomped. Um, again, yeah, the movement, I, I put, I, it didn't need inertia-based movement. No, that was um, weird. As it, as it wasn't responsive enough for my liking. It, it should have just been move and just be digital yeah. because yeah. I, I wanted it to be fast. It, 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 I wanted the game to be faster. So it, feel, it felt weird. Yeah. Um, I put it, you know, it, it is quite funny. It, but again, I've, I've, same as what you put, I put it, so it's just a little distasteful. It's just distasteful at the same time because of yeah, what it, what it is. It is yeah. um, and I mean, my, my main enjoyment came from it was actually just letting the bull sit on me and trounce me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it felt felt the better ending. I know in this, they've sort of taken away the stabbing of the bulls with the head. You have to put a ring yeah, on its horns. Yeah. So you, put, you have to put a ring on its horn, don't you, if you get far enough, uh, which is, you know, a little boy yeah. humane, but... Yeah, yeah. But it's still bullfighting, isn't it? The, my main gripe with it was it's just not responsive enough. No, I, agree. Um, I, I think you're right. That's a good observation about this feeling like it could have been um, an event in a bigger, bigger game. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, two quid. I suppose if your games are tenner, then you get six events. This would be one of them. You know, is that a yeah, good yeah. value proposition? Yeah. Maybe. 
Um, the graphics are nice. The bull's quite well animated. You know, it's it's funny when it stomps you and thrusts you into the ground. Yeah. The little guys guys come on with the uh, ambulance and yeah, the, uh, the, the stretcher and stuff and carry you off, reminding me of uh, just uh, proto-barbarian when the little goblin comes on and things like that. But, yeah, 89%, no, there's not enough here. There's just not no. enough here, and, and, and I didn't like... I, it just wasn't responsive enough. I, I just needed it to be to be to to respond fast. I didn't want to have to slow down, whereas Ollie's Follies felt okay, you know, that yeah. Mario-style yeah, platformer. Yeah. This, this I wanted to be running around quickly... It, it needed to be snappier. Look at those snappers. Look at the it snappers. I quite agree. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's it then. Phew. <laughs> that's a chunk of games that was a that was a fair few wasn't it that? yeah well we've got the same next next week as well, we um, well you so know what we we give we at least we've given the budget games the same credence yeah, yeah. and a little bit of like i like i said in that message to you i've when i've played these games i haven't gone at them full bore this game's out of its time out of its depth i've given them some some leeway because of the nature of the what they are and the when they're released and stuff yeah. and like i've said some of the games were, i think were better than way better than zap gave them credit for so and i think you said the same yeah i think we're it's, 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 it's pretty good that we're kind of in an agreement on most of these yeah, yeah. kind of it's kind of strange because like you say yeah. we don't we don't converse no absolutely and i found myself aligning to julian rignall more and more and more during because i <laughs> yeah. I, I played all the games for this and then i went back and read the Zap reviews, and I found that I was very aligned to Julian Rignall on, at least for this episode. It might change for the next one, but mm, I do. Who knows? Right there, we go. That's uh, that's this episode for you. We've looked at tons of games. What have we looked at? We've looked at oh god, where's the list? We've looked at Leaderboard, which we liked, Popeye, which we didn't like, World Cup Carnival, which we was you know a joke of a game. We've looked at Southern Bell, which uh, introduced us to seconds per frames. Uh, we looked at Mermaid Madness, which was. Mm, problematic. Then we looked at a load of our cheapest creepers. Hess games, good. New York City or GTA early type. Booty, mm. um, you know, which has nostalgic overtones. Ollie's Follies, which is all right. Moonshuttle, which weren't too bad. Squalls of Abaddon, which weren't too bad. And Raging Beast, which was probably not enough of a game there, not too unresponsive. So we've looked at tons. Uh, no crap verts this week, I'm afraid. Uh, we have run out. We might have some for next week. Who knows? There may be a return of them. And make them back. They may come back. We never know. We don't, you know, if an idea is worth doing, it's worth doing again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> um, that's what I say. <laughs> yes, I agree. So, yeah, that's it, really. Uh, we'll be back next week. What have we got to look forward to next week? Well, we've got uh, a load more games. The main games, obviously the full price ones, we've got Boulder Dash 3, Bombo, Biggles. I call that our B section. Um, <laughs> we've also got Solo Flight Plus uh, and Max Headroom. We were going to look at Acro Jet, but we couldn't get it working, which is annoying, but never mind. It's just so the flight plus with stunts right. in it. You can always just, you know, yeah, exactly, just spin your TV over <laughs> round and round and round in circles. Yeah, exactly. Then in our cheapest creepers, we've got Slam Ball, Neutral Zone, Breakdance, Return of the Space Warriors, Seamus, and Sentinel. There you go. And maybe, maybe, maybe some profits. Who knows? We'll Who have to knows? wait and see. Who, Who can knows? tell? Who can tell? Not, not me, not by looking at this agenda. Not me, though. Uh, <laughs> not me I, I'm a crusty <laughs> he's going to come back and save everything um, alright so there we go that was this episode of Zap to the Past I have been Adrian Mills I have been Graham Radding and we as I said have been Zap to the Past see you next week thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. 
We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuther, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.